Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. This week we're doing S6E16, Where Somebody Waits for Me. Mm-hmm. Written and directed by Joseph Doherty. Another line from Bye Bye Blackbird. I think this might be the last one. The last usable line? The last usable line that's not Bye Bye Blackbird, yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> if anyone can make it work. Who do you think this line applies to if you had to apply it to anyone in this episode? Uh, I would say not Caleb. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know. I feel I like it kind of does in a, in a kind of regret way. in a regretful way. Santa, you know, uh, um, doesn't have someone waiting for her. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's like a, a theoretical person. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of where somebody waits for you. I guess uh, you could say Allie, but yeah, we'll get to that. Ugh, that's not. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the idea of the apartment in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that scene is fucking fascinating. I think that scene. And what, the flashback? The flashback. Oh, yeah. And another one, I think like they're. What they say about the past and what may be the future are just so interesting. Um, uh, so we lo- talked a little bit of this before we started recording. And I wanted to ask you, you kind of answered it. What was the bit from your video that you most wanted to use and could not? Um, uh, yeah, well, I guess we should just mention, unless you didn't notice, I, I put up a video which is kind of a mashup between Pretty Little Liars and Suicide Squad, if you've seen their trailer for that movie with uh bohemian rhapsody in it i just kind of did my own pastiche of it because it amused me very greatly and other people seem to really enjoy it so thanks for all the kind words there as to the video itself i the one of the things i ran into is that all the kind of like breaks for dialogue in the trailer and the suicide squad trailer have no nothing behind them it's just pure dialogue there's no score or anything behind it and so I needed... Which is easy for them to do. Easy for them to do because they have the masters. Um, I just have the episodes themselves that are mixed down. So if I would need... if I, You know, for dialogue, I had to have dialogue that had nothing behind it. So that X'd out a lot of potential scenes. What I originally was going to end with was Hannah slapping Jenna in the bathroom from uh, S1E20. But I couldn't because there's score behind it. Um, I actually maybe think it's better the way I ended it now because I really do like that line. And there's, funnily enough, a callback to it in this episode, the poking the bear thing. Which is not something you were aware of. No, it wasn't until I uh, saw the you, episode. I was like, oh, holy shit. That you finished works. this like on Tuesday before we sat down to watch the new episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that one comes to mind. There were a couple good Mona lines, like when she's, the you're not crazy or sane as I am. I couldn't use that because there's score behind it. Mm. Um, some of the action shots, like I wanted to pull something from Emily fighting with Nate St. Germain, but there's just never really a good single shot that's very clear and, you know, framed where you could use it, you know? Mm. Um, so it, it took some, it took a lot of visual memory to try to recall because, you know, I'd find myself looking for a very specific type of shot. Like I'm still, the one thing that bums me, I would swear there's a shot in the Seaside Squad trailer of, uh, Kara, is it Del- Devilene or Delvine, whatever like her name that. is. Like that. Um, there's a shot of her just kind of like 
leaning casually, like in just like normal, you know, like PJs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would swear there is a shot of Paige that's very similarly posed. But I just could not find it anywhere. I was like, I like in my memory, I was like, there's, I know there's a shot like that, but I just, I couldn't find where it was. I, I feel that. I mean, granted, you're having to pull a lot of such moments. I was struggling to remember uh, earlier today on Twitter for a response. Uh, hello, Stephanie. Uh, for <laughs> when uh, Mona texted Hannah a picture of her and Caleb hanging out. I, oh, that's like, from uh, S2E24, I believe. It, it, yeah, I knew was it somewhere in the end of season two, and mm-hmm. I it eventually dawned on me it would be right after they kissed. Of course, actually, that might be S two E twenty five. Actually, I think that might it's unmasked. Yeah, it's yeah. unmasked. Um, but yeah, <laughs> which which led me to digging through a lot of great like uh, Melissa screen caps from yeah. the end of season two. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I don't want to get. I don't want to talk too much about the video. Just a couple more things I found that were interesting. Um. When looking for that page shot, I noticed that she's in the show way less than I thought she was. Mm. Like, I go looking for Paige, and it's like, where's Paige? So I can definitely see why some people complain about that. Um, because, yeah, you, you really, when you're looking for it, you notice it. Um, other thing, like, this season, this half season, I feel like photographically the show looks better than ever. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating because there hasn't been a ton of, like, like action-y shots which I needed. And so I was like, I was really bummed that I couldn't use more from this half season because it looks really great, but there isn't, you know, a shooting somebody with a bow and arrow or, you know, somebody like shooting with a gun, stuff like that. So couldn't use those shots. I would, a couple things I would say, like, unfortunately now I feel like I do want to see the suicide squad movie where I really did not before. Um, (laughs) Because I, I have nothing good to say about it. I mean, right down to even the title. Um, I feel like for all the people who who struggle, most we hear about this like uh, articulated as like, how do I get my boyfriend into the show? <laughs> um, which isn't the the full encompassing, but like you should you should show maybe this trailer first. But yeah, your point. I feel like season five, the show really got more dare I say cinematic. Well, season five in particular, the um the color palette was very muted yeah which you definitely notice season six is much more colorful mm-hmm. uh, which i think i i mean it fits thematically obviously season five is super dark um but i i like the color that this season's bringing out i mean this episode's super colorful i mean well uh as joseph doherty said all the colors mm-hmm. he couldn't use in shadow play found their way to this episode uh which great great way to tie it all together in a bow um but we're gonna find a way to reference aria's fucking outfits in this uh this episode for sure so shall we start uh a little bit more follow-up a couple people enjoyed that i talked about blood work so just wanted to mention it again because i know it makes you squeamish creeps it was all great by the way in case you're curious um the uh the nurse's intention that we argued about everybody took your side on that i thought that the nurse was being sincere uh she is Okay. I mean, and one person pointed out, you know, the marriage between the two is the options that she gives Emily are ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't think it's like, why didn't she lead off with the uh, you could still donate to somebody else? She's like, well, we can charge you a bunch of money where you can throw them away. Well, and the nurse, you know, spoiler comes back in this episode. And mm-hmm. I, I've kind of believe that she might be the most self-centered person in Rosewood beyond the liars themselves. <laughs> um, Ella M. Ella Montgomery, I suppose, on our website page pointed out that Hannah's maid of honor is obviously Mona. 
I like that. I think Mona would definitely have Hannah for her maid of honor. I don't know if it would go the other way. Yeah, I wonder. Well, uh, someone else pointed out, like, have Hannah and Mona even spoken in five years? Because they haven't. They went to spring break. They haven't in 6B. Mm -hmm. That's true. They haven't. Um, Also, it was Jeopardy music, not Wheel of Fortune music that was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually had that in my notes and I felt like I, I was like, yeah, should I correct them now? Just, I'll just let it go. You should correct me next time. Okay. People get annoyed when I interrupt you. So, you know. well, I mean, cause you're an asshole, but you should yeah. probably correct something like that. All right. Um, game on. <laughs> so let's jump into the episode itself. Uh, we're going to open on the already infamous big red heart bed that was like infamous before the episode even aired. After months of speculation, the winner, unfortunately, is uh, all of us losing. It's Hannah and Jordan. Hannah and Jordan. Boo. Um, I was really hoping this bed would be involved in like some like hilarious hijinks or something. Yeah. But this is basically like a getaway fuck. Like a, like a French farce? Kind of? Like it's something company, where... I mean, it's company-esque hijinks? It's like the classic thing where like two people who like... They're not together, but they have to stay. And, you know, this is the only room available. It's a honeymoon suite, something like that. I don't know. But, I mean, obviously, Hannah, you know, didn't want to go to Rosewood, didn't want to go home. So this is where they ended up. Uh, yeah. And the gaudiest hotel room ever. Filled with, like, Cupid statues and what like have you. gold cherubs, like, looking down on them. Yeah. That That is the detail that makes it the most obnoxious. <laughs> I mean... I just I want that thing like that recent X Files episode, like where is the animal head where clearly the owner sits behind <laughs> and looks out the eyes through and watches people fuck. Yeah, so uh yeah, Hannah and Jordan they're naked under the covers and Hannah's looking up and she says, I'm not used to having an audience. And at first I thought she meant there was a mirror on the ceiling, but then I was like, Oh no, the the cherubs. <laughs> uh and then Jordan says, Well, if you've experienced forms things I was completely unaware of it. Oh, I think you need to work on that one. I know, I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, so Hannah Lash says, I thought places like this only existed in old movies. How'd you find it? Uh, well, I switched for romantic and then talk you. I need to listen to some Paul Hogan. Like I need to just download some Paul Hogan into my brain. Feeling better. Yeah. Yeah, I just do, I I do English. I can't do Australian. Uh, Hannah says much better. Would you like some more butter champagne? (laughs) Oh, you lost it. I love it. (laughs) This is is what it felt like when I lost Holbrook. Yeah. Just, it goes and it's not there. Um, I feel like Jordan would be snooty enough to call it like sparkling wine because it's not from champagne, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and she says, "Not now. Let's give these cupids something to remember." He's like, and he's just like, "Mmm." Well, then, yeah, she climbs on top of him, like straddles him, about to blow his mind again. Uh, right in the Brisbane train. Yeah, the camera pulls back, like making them small. They kind of get blurry, and we see one of those large cupid cherubs facing us in the foreground, like this lifeless. Blank stare, gothic gargoyle of love. Well, do you think there could be like I don't know a hidden camera on one of these or something? Uh, it wouldn't shock me, but uh, I, mean, I feel like like Hannah sleeping with her fiance not super scandalous, really. But you know, maybe she still wouldn't want that leaked on the internet or something. So though. then we we cut from from Eros and Psyche to Team Sparia descending into Hades. Mm-hmm. Well, can I just make one comment real quick, just on like if if A was like blackmailing this, I feel like. There's, there's there's a couple things I feel like this half season is missing. One of them is that the liars don't have enough secrets. Mm-hmm. Like, Hannah doesn't really have any secrets right now. I mean, she's keeping the new A from Jordan, but that's, I don't know. They, like, they're always doing that, you know? There's, yeah. there's no big, you know, caught shoplifting or, like, you know... 
her mom's mom not. fucked Wilden. You yeah. know, there's there's nothing like that that's like really huge at the other liars. Well, and I think that that's the only, and I don't know if it's a hiccup, but the only hiccup of Six B so far is it feels very similar to uh, parts of season one, but there's a lot of callbacks for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of callbacks, but like because you know A was so minimal. I feel like at the start of the show, mm-hmm. but it was because there was more time for the soap opera elements to to drown the liars in their own like uh, quicksand. And yeah, you're not really getting that. I mean, well, it doesn't feel like the stakes are quite there. I mean, not all the time. Spencer's is like it's it's I don't know. It's almost feels mundane only because it's just going to be normal political mm-hmm. scandal. You know, <laughs> I mean, Arya's is the most bonkers for sure. Emily's is just cruel. Well, I feel like they need to be tied in deeper to the murder. Mm-hmm. Like there should be something that makes them much more guilty that only they know about. That's like a secret. And if that got out, like they'd be in jail or something like that. Or like, like which something, is, something th- to motivate them a little bit more. Which is why I wonder if, if why they, they respond to Sarah so much. So in the way they do now, not that Sarah doesn't deserve it from actions in the past, but because they're so used to feeling guilty about mm-hmm. something and thus hating it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, descending into Hades, Team Sparia. Uh, yeah, Spencer has has come down that ladder at the end of, from the last episode. There's Arya. She's using her flashlight on her phone, kind of staring at something intently. She stares she, back. It's not intent. It's like she's not haunted. there. Yeah. Like she, the, it's so weird. The camera kind of pulls back to show her and pans around her, and she doesn't move an inch. Like like not a single twitch in her face. She's just like gone until well, like she hears Spencer, and then suddenly she turns, and it's like, oh, Arya's back. Well, and I think this is a nice bit of narrative cohesion because Joseph Doherty wrote 611 and mm-hmm. you saw how how Arya had her PTSD moment in the trial, mm-hmm. you know, from this kind of trigger. Yeah. So she's just like, she looks at Spencer. She's like, look at this. We kind of pan over and see that Arya was, was staring at a dusty old table that has these three switches on it with like wires attached. And it's, it doesn't take much imagination to realize this is the prototype for the switches that Charlotte had the liars flipping back in the dollhouse. Yeah, those weird torture switches. How do you think Arya made it down that ladder in her heels? I think they're very smart to just have her down there. <laughs> yeah. It's like when they cut away from R2 and he's about to run into something. <laughs> yeah. Or there's just stairs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, well, now we know where Charlotte acquired all those special little special little skills she had. And Team Sparia share a look, and then they flash their their flashlights around the the room a little bit. It's this old, dusty, dirty room with lots of file cabinets, what have you. And there's a door in a corner, like an opaque window built into it. And Spencer finds this curious. She walks towards it. She's studying it, and she's like, "All this dust." And the doorknobs clean, and they share another look. And then Spencer grabs bright, the shiny silver doorknob. Yeah. Yeah. So Spencer opens it. Then we're in a hallway. Moments later a snug fit as spencer and Arya are moving down together and Arya says spencer stay close or spence stay close uh which lol uh, and yeah. then Arya's like why is this hallway so narrow well it's the hallway so- is interesting because on one side it's like ancient brick and like ancient pipery mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's weird and on the other side it's much more modern cinder block and like concrete mm-hmm. so there's obviously different periods of, of building here yeah and different it's, construction it's- it's potentially like a subtle get for for a viewer, but especially mm-hmm. because it's not a real hallway; it's been walled off, and this whole section of the sanitarium sealed like something in a Poe story. And you can just tell nice that Arya is probably furious that she didn't get to drop the Edgar Allan Poe reference. Right. Well, there's some really cool roving camera shots. They're they're kind of POV ish, 
kind of like moving around as like the flashlights like illuminate the hallway. Like I, I really like some of these shots. It's this is very like classically PLL spooky. Well, uh, it's a situation where I think you were like in the bright shiny world of six B five years forward. How do you get these girls in mm-hmm. this place? <laughs> yeah, well, it's well. That's the thing about the seasons. Like, how do you get the girls here without them just going to the cops? Right. You know? uh, how well, do you how do you fight that natural realistic tendency? Well, I just love that a hole in this posh hotel room and <laughs> from a refurbished sanitarium will of course lead you down to this yes. dark area. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, yeah, where were we? Um, so we watch the lights moving over these brick walls as the mm-hmm. two move forward and. Arya's like, so what? You think they put a wall up when they turn this place into a hotel? And Spencer says, the sanitarium must have done it. And Arya's like, well, why? And Spencer says, well, to avoid having to explain things like the little motivational experiment back there. Buildings have secrets, too. Just like people. Which... Just like Noel Kahn. Yeah, just like... <laughs> and I, I've named after him a lot, but I feel like with all the writers, there's a sense you get from them. This is like the first like authentically Joseph Doherty zinger of the mm-hmm. episode. Buildings yeah. have secrets too, just like people. Just like Noel Kahn. Arya says, so the hotel de- hotel doesn't know this exists? Spencer says, I bet it's not any bl- the bl- blueprints. And Arya says, but Saren knew. And Spencer says, yeah. How do you suppose that happened? And Arya, kind of very breathly, is just like long, quiet chats with Charlotte. Well, also, she eye rolls like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Spencer's like, uh-huh. So they get to the end of the passageway, and there's just, you know, like a wall and a yellow filing cabinet. Uh, which is, I think, M to O and P to R. That doesn't matter. Anyway, Spencer (laughs) says, come on, let's go back the way we came. And Arya says, Spencer, the file cabinet. And Spencer's like, what about it? And Arya goes, walks over to it and kind of wipes a hand across it and holds it up and says, no dust. Uh, And then we cut to like a crazy crack in the wall as they're kind of shoving this filing cabinet out of the way. Mm. and like ducking down to look through it um one of our listeners rosewood spy pointed out that this sort of kind of craggy crack is kind of it's it's the logo for the radley it's kind of been all over this half season just Mm. this kind of iconography so that's sort of interesting also yo dog i heard you wanted a secret passageway inside your secret passageway I just um, wanted this whole episode to just be them like finding new passageways within passageways. It's well, great. if they could have found like a hole in the ground that had a ladder going down into it from mm-hmm. here on, that'd been great too. But if anyone's wondering about my birthday, I absolutely want a poster of Spencer Naria from this moment right here. That'd make a great poster, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, so they they move this uh, file cabinet out of the way. They peer through with their flashlights, and then cut to them opening up a, a metal door. Like on, I guess the outside of Radley. I guess what we're supposed to infer is that that like little hidden passageway and crack was like secret Radley, and then like the cinder block area is like normal Radley. Mm-hmm. And so now they're exiting like a like a back exit of Radley into like by some bushes or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arya says, "Are we still in Pennsylvania?" It's like, "No, you're in Fillory, Arya." Uh, <laughs> Spencer shuts the door. She looks back. She says, "Yeah, we're behind the Radley someplace." Or he says, well, this explains how Sarah got in and out of her hotel room to mess with us. I think this raises more questions about how Sarah got in and out of her hotel room to mess with you. Does it? <laughs> uh, like how she made the hole? And also, what's going on with her hands? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's faking also, it. Also, when the Spencer and Ari are coming through that crack, you get yet another glimpse of those ginormous, crazy shoes of mm-hmm. Ari's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Spencer says, why go to so much trouble just to sneak out of a hotel room? 
or he says, maybe the sneaking's only part of it. And for some reason, this like really blows Spencer away. She's like, you're still pretty good at this. And Ari's like, I've had a lot of practice. So they walk off and get credits. I really hope that like Spencer had like cleaned up the room before she left it. Like, you know, cover their tracks. Like that was like bugging me through this whole sequence. I was like, did you go back and like make sure you left no trace? I don't think so. Also, I can't wait for these two to eventually get their their spinoff. Good cop. Dissociative shishin cop. (laughs) yeah so then we get the credits uh ali is the shusher again i think if the pattern holds emily will be the shusher next week All right uh, interesting pattern which ending with aria yet again mm-hmm. the hammer <laughs> bat and cleanup um so after the credits we're in the barn it's later it's still that night spencer comes in and there's caleb and he sees spencer is the most excited she's ever been oh she has a new clue she's so yeah. giddy she's like we found a hole in the hotel and he's just like what you what <laughs> a like, hole in the wall in sarah's closet in a room at radley oh she's she's so excited to tell him that that it's terrifying and it's so terrifying that it's adorable yeah um okay. she's like that's how she's been coming and going all this time without having to walk in front of those pesky cameras in the lobby hold on hold on okay i've been working with that data from yvonne's cell phone and she's like you found something and he's like <sighs> and he walks over to his laptop he says it was buried deep in the server. I looked, but I didn't touch. Can't say that about Spaleb. What? <laughs> so Spencer, like, like she sits and she checks it out, and she's just like, what is it? It's the opposition research file on your mom. So she's, like, looking at the laptop for a minute, seems perplexed by what she's seeing, and she's like, these are my mom's medical records. How do they have these? On the computer, we can see some test results. Um, also, interestingly, the date is 2015. Mm-hmm. So apparently it's 2015 on the show. Maybe, maybe <laughs> do that. Well, what you will. that would have been, that would have been eight months earlier. Well, it's, it's January, 2015. So, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. On the test. Mm-hmm. So Caleb says, look at the corners, the folds. This isn't a scan. Somebody photographed this with a phone. Uh, basically he's pointing out there's a shadow. It's not flat. So it's like, it's like setting in for Spencer, like how horrible this is. And she's like, this is not research. This is an invasion of privacy. Uh, this is exactly what's wrong with American politics. This is completely illegal. Wait, Spencer. Spencer. Yeah, uh, puts a hand on her shoulder and she stops. She's kind of processing. And it's time for like sensitive bro Caleb here. And he sits down and he says, did you know your mom was sick? Well, and it's like, you know, she's finally realizing how serious this is just for like her mom, not just the campaign. And she's like, yeah, um, she, she was. She was a long time ago. You better look. So she like she looks at the records, she, like reads them out loud. Breast conserving surgery, blood panels clear, prognosis cautiously optimistic. Would they put that in a uh, medical report? I, I guess that the patient's never going to see it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's really wishy washy covering your ass. It's like prognosis, waggling hand back and forth. <laughs> I mean, you might as well just drawn a guy shrugging. Yeah, it's just that uh, shrugging emoji. <laughs> It's you should might as well like draw on Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Um Yeah, so Caleb's like, the report's dated eight months ago. I guess the Phillips campaign is gonna leak this. They're gonna make it seem like it's your mom's been keeping it secret. Now she's not healthy enough to serve. Spencer says she never told me about any of this. Uh, and he nods, kinda of sad, he takes her hand. Poor Veronica. See, I think, you know, with all good TV titles ultimately it should work on a variety of levels and mm-hmm. this is potentially one 
Like, I think to me, I, I know we're really jumping the gun here, but where somebody waits for me implies that the idea of something home. Yeah. Home. Exactly. Uh, you know, this is the place, but like it, it's potentially like they're not there anymore or mm-hmm. soon they will not be there. Um, I have a dark feeling about Veronica after this season, after this episode, you guys, um, well, it's the Wayne Fieldster, you know, I know, I although know. it's not as, I mean, it's not as, uh, immediate i guess like wayne fields could have croaked at any time like but i i feel like it was like there was like your move contract negotiation <laughs> <laughs> um so the next day it's allison's house Alice and dr rollins are there meeting with it's, lieutenant tanner was her living room always this bright white and i just didn't notice it well this season maybe it was yeah but yeah I heard for, the, this for this season, past season yeah yeah so lieutenant tanner lieutenant oh, tanner shit. it's like they had in her return just just to make me happy and I am she's, so very she's a little grayer up top. I think the uh, I think it was Cabernet and Ace said she looked like iced tea, which I shouldn't have laughed at, but it was kind of funny. Also, I feel like I'm getting closer to nailing down what what f- like visually makes me uncomfortable about wrongs. I almost said physically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if Neville Longbottom His body language. If Neville Longbottom made a baby with a younger, slicker, more evil Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's his body language that really does it. Um, He's very stiff. Yeah, which may all be intentional. I suppose we'll have to see where they go with that character. Um, So, yeah. Rollins says, I don't understand why state police are getting involved. And Tanner's like, I don't understand why you're even here, motherfucker. Yeah, alpha bro doctor guy. No, she says, there's a history here, Dr. Rollins. Several jurisdictions were involved. Also, the fans hated Lorenzo, so you know. Well, that's the, you have to be wondering. Like, is this is this <laughs> like, oh shit, guys? Have you seen his Instagram post? <laughs> Out of here. Allie says they said that Charlotte's death. She struggled, and Tanner says her wounds indicate that she fought back. And Rollins is like, what exactly were those wounds? It's like that's a weird question to ask. You shady fuck. Yeah. And Tanner just kind of looks over to Allie, like, dubious. And Allie says, anything that you have to say to me, you can say in front of Dr. Rollins. And I, w- I want Tanner to be like, no, I'm sorry. That look is actually questioning your romantic intentions. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? You're Allison. You can do better. <laughs> yeah, Allie looks back at Rollins, and he kind of smiles at her. And Tanner says, before her body was thrown from the bell tower, she was struck along the cervical spine with some kind of metal rod, rectangular at the end and hollow. And Rollins says, how do you know the shape? You're very curious, aren't you? And she says, it made an impression, a cut in the skin of her neck. I feel like these questions make him seem more like A than the killer. But that could still go either way. I mean, I have have some ideas about Rollins we'll get into later. Mm. But it kind of, I mean, I suppose he could be the killer and just kind of like playing dumb here. Yeah. But it seems like more like he would just like want information. Well, I mean, if you were a killer covering your tracks... Wouldn't you be very curious how people know these kind of things so that you know how to better cover your tracks? I mean, personally, if I were to murder someone, I would make sure to like not be around when the detective is discussing it with like the victim's sister. Oh, then you're missing out on like the uh, like the rope, like the Leopold and Loeb like, yeah. pleasure. <laughs> I could see you doing that thing where you go to like the police station to offer to help them find the killer. Uh, it's you know no spoilers. Uh, it's the second half of Veronica Mars season three. Basically that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Tanner says, 
or Allie gets upset and she kind of like walk, gets, stands up and kind of takes it all in. And Tanner says, Allison, have you ever heard of a restaurant called the Two Crows? And Allie says, I don't think so. And Ron says, what about it? Like, what are you, a fucking lawyer? Like, fuck off. Well, he, he looks even stiffer, like, folds his arms in front of him, is trying to look guilty as possible. Right now, I mean, in my notes, I was just like, damn, Rollins, you are seriously making Ezra Fitz look normal and grounded in comparison. Yeah, I just, I Especially hate when this being guy. questioned by Tanner. I wanted to play back when Tanner came to Ezra's apartment after he'd been shot. <laughs> I mean, Ezra seemed cooler <laughs> than yeah. he does right now. If that's possible. Ezra's like, I have a lot of experience, you know, chilling the authorities out. <laughs> Let's not bring that up. Uh, yeah, so he's like crossing his arms. He's just getting all bitchy, like and demanding, you know. And Tanner says, the night Charlotte came home, the night she was murdered, someone used the landline from the two crows to call this house. And Allie's like, nobody called here. Tanner says, the call went through. It lasted more than three minutes. And then Rollins is like, there weren't any calls. And Terrence's like, you were here all night? And he's just like, gulp, no. <laughs> Tanner says, then it could have come after he left. And Ali says, there's only one landline and it rings down here. Tanner says, if you didn't answer it and Dr. Rollins was gone, then it must have been Charlotte who picked up the phone and talked to someone for three minutes. And Ali and Rollins, they both look weirdly guilty, probably because they were both like banging and didn't hear it. I, I mean, yeah. I guess that's the implication here. Yeah, because otherwise, this is solid detective work by Tanner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I guess that's what we can assume. Like, they, they'd gone to bed, were perhaps well, not, not hearing a phone call at that point. And I think Allison has to realize that Tanner's not a fucking idiot. Like, she knows exactly what's going on here. At least with these two. Although, I don't know. She said they were, like, up super late talking to Charlotte. Do you then go up for some, like, loud sex where you don't hear the phone? I guess. I don't know. Wouldn't Wouldn't you? Wouldn't anybody? I mean, I just hope I wouldn't be Dr. Rollins in that scenario. Um, briefly, I just want to mention, because people keep tweeting this at us, in some of Mona's old paperwork from, like, season three or something, uh, Dr. Rollins is listed as her doctor, and people are like, a clue! Maybe, maybe not. I I'm pretty sure it's probably named after Francesca Rollins, who's mm -hmm. one of the uh, writers, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, well, and if you're going to... If you're going to go down that aisle, I would like to remind you from a few episodes ago. Chris Kavanaugh. Well, that and apparently Larry Reedman, <laughs> yeah. the lawyer, turned Well, good, well I think it's people are like, oh, Rollins, like, you know, this has been set up for a long time. I kind of doubt it. I think they probably just use Francesca Rollins' last name. Although, if Rollins it works, like, maybe, but. You know. If Rollins was like, yeah, I was a doctor at Rally for a long time. I interned under a brilliant medical doctor, Red <laughs> Kingston. Yeah. Who for some reason was there. <laughs> his knowledge was so broad. Also, his accent. Mm -hmm. He would have made a lie sound good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then we're going to cut to the brew. Emily is basically getting read in on the new shit that has come to light by Arya and Spencer. Oh, did you find it odd that they came back to the brew, considering the fact that Sabrina must hate Emily and Arya? <laughs> I mean, not that odd, knowing the liars. True. Yeah. Especially considering I still I'm still carrying a you know holding a candle for Sabrina and Emily. I feel like she could patch things up with a good apology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and her inherent Emilyness. Uh, but mm -hmm. also, I'm not shocked that Ari would show up to the brew with that kind of fatwa over her head and wearing this outfit. <laughs> this outfit. At I first, I thought this was like a, a dress. I didn't realize it was like an open midriff situation. Um, it's it's I believe salmon or coral. I think is this color. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of that. It's like uh 
kind of like a I don't even know what, what you call this thing. Some I, sort of weird tank toppy thing with like similar pants. Yeah, we well like like they go down mid calf. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like something that like you'd wear in Miami in like the eighties. Well yeah, I mean she's she is dressed like the hip young eighties businesswoman in like a movie starring, I don't know, Melanie Griffith or yeah, something. She also has like a door knocker around her neck. Yeah, and like, you know, like full stomach exposed for the most part. Um it's it's fascinating. And she will add a yellow leather jacket <laughs> yeah. to this ensemble later. It's coming. Yeah. Spencer, by the way, she's rocking the bangs and like a sleeveless like tennis top or something like it looks like something you'd play a, a leisure sport in <laughs> she really looks like rooney mara with those bangs mm-hmm. uh, so yeah emily says a hole in the closet and spencer says yeah it led all the way to the all uh, it led to all this space underneath whole parts of riley that have been sealed off parts from when charlotte was there emily says should we tell hannah's mom all right it's like no if we tell mrs Marin, she'll throw sarah out lock stock and ladder Love how she calls this ready with those. Uh, this way, we know about her escape hatch, but she doesn't know that we know. Arya brings up a good point. When Sarah and the Comfort Bro checked in, were they like, "Don't mind our giant ladder"? <laughs> How'd she get the ladder there? Um, <laughs> I mean, or, like, or did she get it there from underneath? Like she could have already set it all up and then just booked the room. Good point. And Emily says, uh, maybe I really did see her in the clinic. And Spencer's like, have you checked on with them? You know, to make sure everything's okay. And Emily's like, yeah, I, I'm going to go over there as soon as they're open. Uh, guys, we need to tell Allie. And Ari is like, tell Allison what? <laughs> She's like, who's like, Allison? Emily's like, she was with me at the clinic. She needs to know about that. She needs to know about Sarah. And Spencer's like, okay, if we do tell Allison, we have to be ready for her to turn right around and go tell the police about it. And Ari's like, well, maybe that should happen. Maybe this is a new problem and we're getting stuck in old thinking. Secrets are getting toxic again. Well, and you see, Spencer pondered this for like 0.25 seconds. And then she's like, nah. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> go to know. the cops. Nah, that's ridiculous. I don't know. Just keep trying to get in touch with Hannah. I have to go meet my mom at headquarters. Arya's like, okay. So Spencer gets up and leaves. And Emily's checking her phone. And then Arya trains all of her attention on Emily and says, do you want me to come with you? And Emily's like, honestly, no. I want to do this by myself. And Ari's like, are you absolutely sure? And I was like, yeah, I'll be all right. Or I will be as soon as I know. And Ari's like, okay. But if anyone asks, I fucking offered. Yeah. Emily's like, also, there is no way I'm getting roped into listening to you gush over Ezra's writing again. That's a hard pass. Is it me? Mm-hmm. Or is this just really good? Yeah. Well, I got to say with Spencer, not her finest episode, like, decision-wise. It's like, should we go to the cops? Nah. Should I tell my mom this thing? Nah. I well, I think I think the choice she makes about her mom is a lot more silent and heartbreaking. Yeah. So uh, uh, Arya starts to get up. She happens to look in the direction of the front door. To her great surprise, there's a weird-looking guy walking in and talking to a barista, and she's like, Liam. Well, do you think that this is their special nook because they can see whoever enters? It's like. They have, I like, think, full visibility. I think Spencer's at least realized that. Mm-hmm. I think that's why sometimes Spencer will not sit on the couch. She'll actually sit in the chair she sits in mm-hmm. uh, or faces the couch so that she knows that these two are going to, like, you know, whap their jaw if, like, somebody's coming to the front door. But Spencer's also got an eye on that back door. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Arya sees Liam. Hey, that's my boyfriend. He enters the shop. Uh, glasses free. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like like he's glasses free and he's a little scruffy. Mm. Hasn't shaved. Like, is he going for the Ezra Fitz now? <laughs> is he? I have some ideas about Liam we'll get into, but yeah. Uh, some Ari- people have real problems, Arya. Mm-hmm. Arya's like, Liam? And she walks over, and he smiles, and gives her a big hug, and he's laughing. He's like, hey, and Arya says, hi. Meanwhile, the barista's just kind of smiling in the background, like waiting for him to finish his order. Yeah. Uh, She's like, oh, never mind. F- fuck me. It's just yeah. my job. Arya's like, oh, my God. Wait, what are you doing here? And he's like, that was it for the welcome? And Arya's like, no, 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 no. Is something wrong? And Liam says, no, no, all is good. I wouldn't come all this way with bad news. And she kind of smiles and caresses his cheek. And Arya says, hey, Em. And she turns to Emily, who is walking up. She says, this is Liam. And she is just beaming over Liam right now. I guess it's sort of cute. Like, even though Liam is probably A. The uh, the face caressing, mm. I felt like, is weird. I feel like Arya just does that randomly. Like, mm-hmm. she'll just pet him. She probably does that to baristas. <laughs> And they're like, I'm sorry, are you blind? <laughs> Why are you touching my face? And Lee's like, yeah, I know, we met. And he says, sort of, on the computer. And Lee says, nice to meet you in person. And then to Arya, um, I'll give you a call as soon as I know. And Arya's like, okay. So Emily pieces out. And Arya kind of turns to Liam now, like fully, and says, so, what's up? And Liam says, you and I need to talk about Ezra Fitz. And Arya's just like, mm. <laughs> gulp. And then Liam says, and the book. And Arya's just like, she's playing it cool because she's the best liar. But, you know, there's panic in her eyes. <laughs> Liam's like, in this episode, I will end every scene on an ominous note. Mm-hmm. Uh, so inside Veronica's campaign headquarters, uh, we start on Spencer. who's just like watching her mom in action. Veronica's like on her phone, standing by Gil. Veronica kind of waves at Spencer like all giddy. And you can tell that Veronica is glowing. Like, she is in her element. She's found herself. Yeah, talking to off-brand Peter Hastings here. Yeah, Stella's got her groove back. She kind of waves back at Spencer. And so Gil walks do you think, over. The- do you think they're hooking up? I think it's fascinating how much he looks like Nolan North. And he's just like, morning, Spencer. And Gil just, he wants to be Peter Hastings so bad. And so he's like, hey, uh, I was hoping I could talk to my mom for a second. And he's like, sure, I'll look the other way if you can get her after she finishes the phone call. And so he's like, okay. And he, he's like, oh, and uh, tell Melissa I can't reimburse her without a flight number. If she can't find the boarding pass, tell her to look for the luggage tag. And she's just like, yeah, I'll take a message to my sister, who's probably out burying girls alive <laughs> as we speak. Sure, sure. And he's like, well, thanks. Did, did Melissa, like, ghost out of Rosewood again already? Like, where is she just? conveniently off camera somewhere well like i wonder did they also reimburse spencer <laughs> maybe yeah i know so so gil says thanks Spencer says yeah and uh, gil leaves spencer walks over to ronica Ronica's on the phone like finishing up like you're welcome bye bye and she hangs up and uh so she's like you were just gone this morning ronica's like i know and then she hugs spencer and she's like yeah i looked at my phone i added up all the events and i realized i was heading towards a 27 hour day and spencer just smiles and Veronica's like, you were talking to Gil? And Spencer's like, yeah. And Veronica's like, tell him not to worry. And Spencer's like, worry about what? Well, about the poll numbers coming out today. He thinks they're going to be soft. And Spencer's so like, well, are you worried? And Veronica's like, ah, it's <laughs> double not on my meeting, schedule. Double meeting, yeah. yeah. It's not on my schedule, so I guess not. LOL. Well, Spencer is nervous laughter. Yeah, this like gallows humor laugh. Like, huh, like I'm trying to feel you out and get nothing. <laughs> Well, the problem is that Veronica is just so excited to be doing this. It's yeah. like killing Spencer. Mm-hmm. Spencer yeah. doesn't want to be the one to hurt her. 
Yeah, so Veronica says, I know this is the hard part, but after the election comes the fun, right? And Spencer's like, right. So Gil walks over with a piece of paper for Veronica, and he says, all right, family bonding time is over. We have our radio interview in two minutes. And Veronica says, okay, and she's basically already distracted again. Spencer's bummed, like she missed her window there. And she's like, best of luck. And Veronica says, oh, thanks, honey, later. Spencer says, later. Gil says, bye. And then Spencer's walking off, and Veronica's talking to Gil with that paper. She says, so, explain this to me. And he says, yes, these are the main talking points. And Spencer's kind of looking back, regretful, and Veronica's like, uh-huh. Gil says, I did a little pre-screening. So, and Veronica's like, okay, he's not going to ask for that. And Gil's <laughs> like, no, no, no. This is really funny, like, a little chatter between them. According to Allison Nelson, who works on the show, like, the outtakes in this scene are hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I I would kill people for money to see some of them. It's been a while since we've seen PLL, blo- PLL bloopers. Like, I feel like since, like, season, like, up to three, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, we could we could use a new blooper reel. I, I'm always amazed, because I feel like PLL is a show that you just know would have, like, amazing special features on their DVDs. And I but feel like... Don't. It yeah. drives me nuts. Um, I feel like the commentary, like commentaries would be fascinating. Oh, I know. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, yeah, cut to a Hollis Medical Center. Emily's walking up. Oh, the door's locked, and there's like a printed sign that says, Sorry, due to unforeseen circumstances, all appointments canceled today. Call, you know, 555-whatever for more information. Mm-hmm. Uh, does Emily call that number? No. She just tries the door again and then starts knocking on the glass. Mm-hmm. I really wanted, like, this to play out where, like, the whole medical center was, like, a sham. Like, like the NSA office and sneakers so, where, like, it just it didn't exist. She opens it, and it's just, like, the phones sitting on the floor. Yeah. No furniture anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Uh, so that nurse from last week comes out outside to talk to Emily, and she's like, Emily. And, um, like, this is very serious. And Emily's like, hey, you're closed. And the nurse is like, we had an accident last night, a malfunction. And Emily's like, well, what kind of malfunction? And the nurse well, like, is like, like, you know, Emily, you know what happened. Yeah. And the nurse is like, oh, one of the freezer units failed. We lost everything in the unit. I'm sorry, but it was the unit of your donated eggs. And Emily's face is like, of course. Yeah. Well, and- let me let me just cut in briefly. Um, As she's asking, you know, what kind of malfunction in the background, a mm-hmm. uh, guy walks by in a lab coat. It looks a hell of a lot like Dr. Rollins. Could be nothing. I don't know. Just it's something I noticed re- on the rewatch. It's blurry, so that it could definitely not be Doctor Rollins too. But you know, somebody been, in a uniform could have been that actor walking the lunch. Um, yeah. And so Emily's like, "It wasn't just me, was it?" And they're just like, "We're cross-checking, but there are something like thirty clients involved." And Emily's like, thirty people." And they're just like, "There are backups, and the backups have backups, but everything failed. The power was cut. The alarms, everything. I have to get back. We're still making calls." Nurse is nurse really goes, heartbroken. Yeah. Well, the nurse goes back. I think. She is, but the problem is she's not like comforting Emily. Is my problem with her here? It's like she's like the gravity of it. It's like it's like this happened to her. <laughs> like well, nurse, it's not as big of a tragedy for Emily as it would be for you know the family waiting on the eggs or something. I mean, right, this, this scene is how I know I'm a terrible person because I watched the scene and I was just like, yeah, that's a drag. And then I'm listening to all these podcasts like uh, Cabernet A and the Bustle Pre-Large Podcasts. And they're just like, oh, my God, that's so tragic. And I was like, oh, was I supposed to feel sad at that part? <laughs> I'm terrible. Just more patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's like, I'm like, still, Emily is somebody who is affected by this. Like, the nurse is just like, I have to go make calls. Excuse me, Emily. This is I... for me. 
I feel like I'm on the opposite side of it now, where I, I see where the nurse is coming from. Like, she's, she's, Emily has not lost the chance to have a child right now. So I don't, she's like I don't, lower on the totem pole. I don't doubt that. But still, I feel like it's the nurse's, I mean, granted, the nurse has a heavy duty to go, the burden of having to tell all these poor people this horrible news. But it's like, still, Emily is, is one of the people that you weren't exactly great in your bedside manner to last week with. <laughs> So, do you want to just destroy them? <laughs> well, Emily is... I'm still not clear on when was when did the clinic get the news that, like, the couple no longer needed her eggs? Was yeah, it literally during the procedure? I'm just amazed that they have 30 clients in Rosewood. Um, but, it's like uh, up in town for uh, making babies. Yeah, because Emily is Emily, she's totally crushed by this. Not because of her own eggs, but, you know, because of everyone else's, which... Apparently, if you aren't a heartless person, that would really uh, impact you emotionally. Uh, and so she's she's and she has to be thinking like, there's no way that's a coincidence. Like, oh, the power and alarms were cut. Like, that's obviously sabotage. You know, that's not an accident. And if you think about it, it's really all Caleb's fault. Um, is so it? after the after the commercial, uh, why is it Caleb's fault? I'm just teasing because of his okay. video. Mm, no, I, I I don't know about that because she got the the egg warning before he a looked at the video uh no i don't i i don't i think it's 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 caleb's fault it's hannah's fault it's emily's fault in the sense that a is a psychopath well know? no but I'm, I'm just saying if you're trying to like point like a, a causality there a didn't get the video from the hard drive until after a warned hannah about her eggs and, and whatnot or emily yeah yeah but i mean yeah. i'm sure that a could retroactively blame caleb obviously it's no one's fault but the person who not only steals these eggs and messes with the backups of the backup i don't think that i don't think that plays because a was already threatening emily's eggs weird groceries outside of lucas's loft that's what i'm talking about that was before they got the message yeah yeah i got you anyway so after the commercial hannah wakes up alone in the bed in that tacky honeymoon suite and there's like a clattering from the hallway or whatever and on instinct hannah grabs her phone from the bedside table and checks it and then an onslaught of text and liars comes in um i don't have quite the full order from the beginning but we get from spencer where are you we need to talk asap from emily sos sarah is a mole <laughs> oh can we just cut to the best one which is trouble for maria <laughs> uh ariel says me is the brew emily says just tell us you're alive Spencer's is now's really not the time to disappear, Hannah. Disappear for capital D. Uh, or Maria, Jordan's not answering either. Where are you? And then Spencer's Earth to Hannah, call us. Uh, LOL. And then uh, Spencer levels in with it. At least tell us you're alive. Well, it's Spencer and Emily both with the tell us you're alive. Mm, yeah. Theory. Mm. Um, so Hannah hits a button, and the text in midair all whoosh away, and then she slides on her bathrobe in a way that you do when you know there's a camera on one side of the <laughs> bed, and you're not trying to show off your ass. Um, yeah. Also, sexy bathrobe was like red with like splotches of leopard print. I'm going to assume this came with the room. <laughs> or she borrowed it from Aria, her other self. Well, I mean, why would she have this bathrobe otherwise? I don't know. Maybe she has a job interview lined up, and this is the outfit she's going to wear. <laughs> true, <laughs> true, true. Um, so she gets up. She's looking around. She looks in the bathroom, which is like this, like blue and gold lame, like weird hideousness. And Jordan's not around. He's not anywhere. And so she's kind of getting concerned. She goes over. Uh, there's a knock at the door, and she opens it. Oh, it's just Jordan. And he's holding the room service tray. Hey, did you order breakfast? Someone left this tray outside. 
He's like, where were you? Just went downstairs to make some phone calls and use the Wi-Fi without waking you. And she's like very relieved. She sighs. She hugs him. Sorry, I should have left a note. Well, don't do that. Don't leave without telling me where you're going. Hannah, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. We just, we have to go. Where will we be going? Back to Rosewood. And he's just like confused and trying well, to be cool about it now. She says it like it's the super obvious answer that he's a dummy for not getting. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll call the driver and we'll get out of here. Uh, have some breakfast. And she just kind of like, you know, he gestures towards a tray and she's like, I didn't order any. And he's like, he's holding his phone and shrugs and like, oh, it must be all in the house then. What do you think their driver thinks right now? Well, does the driver get a room? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's the driver. It's like, like, Jordan, you, you think you could spring for an escort? And Jordan's like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's the driver just like going to sleep in the back of the limo. <laughs> so the, so Hannah like goes over to Trey. She checks out the note that with it. And the card says, with our compliments. And then she, it's like a, like a form, like a stock card. Mm -hmm. And she opens it and handwritten is, the honeymoon is over. <laughs> <laughs> so then she lifts up the tray. And I love this. This is one of my favorite weirdest A messages. It's two eggs with a curled up piece of bacon for a, making a frowny face. And then ketchup sunny on the side top. up eggs. Yeah. yeah, sunny side up with a fork stab in the eye of one of them. And the ketchup on the top is written, poor Jordy. It's, uh, <laughs> it's very Mona-ish. I think Heather Huggin pointed that out. It's the kind of thing Mona would do. I think that the funny thing, too, is I know it's spelled differently. I feel like my, my Jordan accent sometimes falls on like the English Jordy accent. Hmm. Um, especially when it gets really nonsensical. Um, so anyways, she covers up the tray, horrified, covers her mouth because, well, you know, it's following her. Do you think this is like foreshadowing that Jordan's going to lose an eye? <laughs> I mean, with that accent, he'd basically become a pirate at that point, I think. Uh, yeah. Me I, I think the, the better foreshadowing is that while he's talking to Hannah, uh, a seagull just comes and lands on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've got some major Hannah faces. She slams the cover back down. I mean, this is funny and all, but I feel like A needs to step their game up. Like, emojis and, like, fucking with your breakfast. It's like, well, you need to up the stakes a little. But I think this you need is to make hilarious it hurt. because this is essentially breakfast emojis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is, like, food art. Um, So, you know, at Allison's house, Emily's there looking at a picture of a young Sasha Pieters on the mantle. Which... What, do you, what do you think this photo means? Like, why why do we, we cut to this? Uh... I think it's interesting. I think uh, it kind of ties back into the general vibe of the history of the Hastings or the the De Laurentiis family. I think it's also interesting that they didn't use a picture of the little girl who's playing oh, yeah. Allison the most. Well, do you think this is like some hashtag Emerson vibes or something? Like, because Emily is like looking right at it here. I I think you know, as Emily pointed out, the shadow of Allison will always be cast upon her one way or another. Yeah. So, yeah, they're meeting up with Allie. Allie says, when did it start? And Spencer says, after Charlotte's funeral. And Allie says, after Sarah came back. <laughs> and she sits on the couch arm next to Spencer there. They're kind of opposite Allie. Spencer says, look, Allie, whoever this person is, they think we know who killed your sister. So they basically told her they're getting texts. Mm -hmm. And Allie says, do you have any idea who could have done it? And Allie says, I know that Charlotte hurt a lot of people, but for someone to kill her, Spencer says, no, Allie, whoever's threatening us now, who whoever's stealing Emily's eggs and sending us pictures of golf clubs, that person didn't kill Charlotte. They want revenge for what happened to her. Or at least that's what they want you to think. Mm -hmm. 
Allie's like, what golf club? And Allie's like, the murder weapon was a golf club. And Allie's like, no, it wasn't. What Detective Tanner described was a hollow piece of metal cut with a rectangle at the end. And Spencer and Emily both look at each other like, oh, shit, we're dumb. Maybe we shouldn't have believed like this random text messenger who said they had a murder weapon with nothing at all to prove it. <laughs> well, Emily's like, are we getting punked? The picture, the golf club? Maybe this is some kind of joke. So she's like, I don't think it could be a joke. We spent four episodes on this. She's like, I mean, Sarah doesn't have any sense of humor left. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's all she has left, Spencer. Maybe she's <laughs> turned into the fucking Joker. And Allison's like, uh, guys, have you either of you heard of a, a restaurant called the Two Crows? And then again, these two like share a look. Which I love that there's no response. So it's like, we know nothing now. The two crows. I mean, well, Spencer shakes her head. Emily, it's unclear if she's clueless or what. I mean, I guess she's clueless. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just guess get Spencer or Sarah Harvey saying, "No, I see the happy side. No, I'm always smiling." I could absolutely see like a, a remake of the Killing Joke, but with like Emily and uh, Sarah, I guess, just having a good laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, meanwhile, at the brew, uh, Ari's having coffee or tea with Liam. She must be so caffeinated, like all these like early morning coffee meetups. And yet, and yet level three is still a rarity. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're sitting at, well, I mean, look at like how much caffeine Hannah would take in. Oh, I know. She's she's just maintaining right now. Um, So they're sitting at a table in the area behind the nook, right below the stairs that lead up to nowhere, i.e. Ezra's apartment. And Liam's just like, but you are in touch with him. And Ari's like, yeah, it's uh, one way communication. And Liam's like, hmm. The point is, our boss is excited. It would be a good thing for us to keep her that way. Has he sent you more pages? And Ari nods for a moment for answering, like, seemingly totally normal. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, can I see them? I thought if I came here, I could read them without having to put them on the internet. Because hackers are just dying to get their hands on an early Ezra Fitz manuscript. Yeah. Ari's like, yeah, yeah, I'll show you the pages. And he's like, great. Jillian has some notes about tone. I wanted to head off any problems. And Arya's like, what kind of notes? <laughs> I love it. Arya wants notes. She wants notes on her work. I, I, you know, could Liam be a sure? I think it's more likely that he's playing Arya from like a. Just like a screw over the yeah, co-worker. Like a shifty publishing industry angle. Mm. Like, I, I don't doubt that after Arya was kicked out of the boss's office in that one scene, like he was just like, Arya will, will handle Ezra. I'll handle Arya, you know? <laughs> and the boss is like, I like it. Well, I know some people seem to hate this plot thread. I'm enjoying it. What can I say? I, I like watching Arya be really squirrely about everything. Um, and okay. also, like... Words are her metier. I've seen other people who disagree. I feel like of the kind of the new bros, I think Liam seems like the best actor, the guy who plays Liam. Like, I feel like he has an extra level. Like, he he's the most perceptive character-wise. And it seems like he would be the most likely to kind of like be hiding something underneath like his top layer, you know? I think um, I, I would agree with you to a sense. And I think that but that didn't really solidify to me until this episode. Well, I mean, if you're going by the idea of like, who would you want to do your like evil villain monologue? And you had to pick between Rollins, Liam and Jordan. I feel like I, personally, I would pick Liam. Well, because Rollins has a voice like a Muppet on a bender. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Jordan, I wouldn't understand his evil <laughs> motivation because I couldn't make out half of what he's saying. Liam, uh, I don't know. Um, but I feel like you could definitely say that from his scenes in this episode, he knows more than than he's letting on. Because well, I feel like he's he's the perfect kind of like he's not shady, but he's he's smart. You know, like he, he's just lingering there. It's like he's they're they're not throwing suspicion on him and yet there he is who's obviously very perceptive you know well because aria the problem is the person who thinks that aria is the best liar is aria <laughs> and so that's how liam is is realistic but, because i feel like at halftime he's just not saying you know aria, i'm not a fucking idiot <laughs> that's why i think they're a good match like i think they're they're both direct in a way that's just on the edge of being off-putting yeah, and then occasionally she'll just like caress his face, mm-hmm. like oddly. So in Lucas's loft, like Jordan's unloading a grocery bag uh, in the kitchen area while Hannah and Emily are sitting on the with the window bench seat talking about what's happened. Well, he does a little a little look over, like kind of just slight annoyance, like mm, there's I, I, some confiding going on, and I'm out of earshot, like handling the groceries. Yeah, yeah, I'm. <laughs> he's like, you know, my my driver could have handled this. Mm-hmm. Um, like I believe it's just the one bag which he will unload for this entire scene. Uh, yeah, because he's going like, to try to eavesdrop. Well, there's like a lot, apparently a lot of groceries, a lot of milk. A lot of milk and, and greenery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Emily's like, I was actually looking forward to it. And Hannah's like, I'm sorry, Em. I didn't know you were going to, I know you weren't going to, I didn't know you weren't going to keep them anyway, but I'm so sorry. And Emily's like, I keep thinking about all those other women and couples. You know, someone would do that just to steal my eggs. Hannah's like, well, first off, I think you should stay here. You have nothing to do without having to like keep up shields of your mother. Plus, we can't yes. afford new peoples. Yes, please stay in this suspiciously avail- available murder loft that's like wired for sound and hidden cameras. Keep yeah. staying here. Uh, keep using the toilet, which mm-hmm. Lucas being Lucas, you just know has cameras all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, Annalie's like, yeah, I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, so Hannah like, looks over at Jordan, like, you know, pulling, pulling that milk out of that bag. <laughs> Real slow. And and maybe like, feeling a little bit guilty. Or, yeah. or maybe just because maybe Jordan feels out of place in Rosewood. It's like he doesn't fit into this equation. Well, also, I would argue that maybe Hannah in this episode is giving him a little bit of a raw deal. Not that I, 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 yeah. I absolutely like, like physically hate defending him. <laughs> um, but Hannah's like, when I was driving back into town, I passed that, that Welcome Rosewood sign. I kept thinking... Why did we come back here? And why can't we stay away from here? What does this creep want from us? And Emily says, they want us to lead them to Charlotte's killer. And Anna says, why us? And Emily says, because we wanted Charlotte dead. Anna face. Yeah, I mean, think about it. All the people who could have killed Charlotte, they might have done it because they thought that's what we wanted. Ezra. And I was like, what kind of nut would think that? Dr. Rollins or Liam? Yeah. Emily's like, the kind who would hold my eggs for ransom and destroy a freezer full of potential babies just to get them, which is heavy as fuck. I feel like the more Hannah face we get, the less Jordan fits into Hannah's life. <laughs> also, so Emily's going to crash at this place. Mm-hmm. Where is Hannah staying? Is she back at the Radley? Uh, she's going to stay at the same place, too. I, I it's just so. They're all, well, like, Jordan's staying there, right? Or is she just I... like, thanks, buddy, like, fuck back off to New York. I well, I mean, I think that's what this episode's going. I think that's what's I, that's what I got out of it. 
his last scene. Anyway, huh, um, okay. we'll get there. So Main Street Rosa, presumably, we're inside a store looking out through the window. We see Spencer walking past on the street, stopping when she looks in and sees sees her target. Then she kind of comes around, comes in the front door. Then we see that her target is Mona. Mona, the master of situational awareness, is trying on ginormous earrings. That's really like Ari earrings, yeah. Which I want to, I want to like make the joke that they probably have like like USB drives in both of them. Uh, she's like looking at herself in a handhold mirror, and of course we get the mirror shot. See what Mona sees, which is that Spencer's in that mirror as the door opens. Because of course Mona would have an eye on the door, oh, even though her back's to it. I fucking uh, love Mona. She's so good. Every she, scene with Mona is like ten times better. Like just her her appearing, she's doing classic Mona shit. I love yeah. it. Watching Spencer in her. Uh, so Spencer sees it too, knowing that Mona knows that she's coming. So before turning around, Mona just says, hello, Spencer. And Spencer <laughs> comes and faces Mona, takes a breath before laying it all out there. And she's well, just like, she, I want to mention Mona's wearing her A colors, uh, crimson yeah. and black stripes here. Yeah. So she's like, what happens if I just ask you something straight out? And Mona's like, try it and see. And all my fan fiction begins. <laughs> yeah. And Mona's like, try and see PS. That's literally all I've ever wanted from you. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it might as well start raining and we're in a street, like mm-hmm. causing a traffic jam when we affirm our love. And Spencer says, Did you tell Yvonne to leave her phone at lunch? And Mona's like, with her slight smile, she says, Yes. Spencer says, To prove to her that she shouldn't trust me. And Mona says, That's what I told her. Spencer says, Yeah, but then he never told her I took took it. And Mona says, no. Spencer says, because that's not really why you set it up. You wanted me to have it. You wanted me to find something. And Mona says, that sounds very elaborate. <laughs> and Spencer says, yes, but this way it wouldn't look like you're passing me campaign information. You get a plausible deniability if I ever actually found something. And Mona says, I'm sorry about your mother, Spencer. I'm praying she'll be all right. Uh, I feel like like Mona being kind to Spencer like freaks Spencer out more than anything else. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Also, by the way, I totally called this. Does Mona think Spencer is her friend, <laughs> despite the shit that Spencer constantly gives her? Oh well, there's a there's something that somebody tweeted us, and I'm totally sorry. I for, I lost who you were in a deluge of tweets, but there's a great add-on that that this scene was missing. But uh, so Spencer says, "Why did you go through all this trouble?" And Mona says. Because it's wrong, what they want to do. The campaign's going to leak the report. It'll look like your mother's unworthy of the public trust. So Spencer just has to absorb all this, her worst fears. And she's like, does Yvonne know? Mona says, I'm sure she doesn't. I doubt her mother knows. Possible deniability. Spencer's like, right. She takes a long sigh, and Mona scoffs. And she's like, oh, Mona Mona gets it now. Yeah, she's like, oh, my God, Spencer, are you? you didn't know your mother was sick. And like Spencer is now even more uncomfortable with Mona realizing that, seeing how vulnerable she is out of the loop. And well, Mona's like, I'm Mona so sorry. Mona seems like legit heartbroken for her. Yeah. And she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I thought that you must. And there's enough of that. Spencer shuts it down. And she's like, thank you, Mona. She like walks out as Mona watches her go. And like somebody added on that they should have had Mona say, like, you know, when Spencer says, why did you do this? Mona should have been like, that's what friends do <laughs> or something. And Spencer would have just like vomited on the floor. I saw a funny tweet online. Uh, it's one of the Boo Radley Van Cullen ones. Somebody is saying that Spencer stole Hannah's boyfriend and her girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants to be friends, Spencer. I mean, you could use a friend like Mona. I mean, like your most fan fiction-y versions, though, like 
if you added in that's what friends do or that's what mm-hmm. friends are for, then Emily would have burst through the window and been like, nope, shut it down. Bitch, we're not friends. Fuck off. Emily out. Oh, poor Mona. I just want one of the liars to give Mona a big hug. Seriously. And then that hug lasts for like a half an hour. And um, then they make out, yeah. Uh, so back to Lucas's loft. Hannah. Oh, did you, did you see where somebody tweeted at Troyan to ask if Spencer is bisexual? Oh, I did not know. And Troyan was like, good question. I'm Marlene King. You know, question mark, question mark. Uh, you never know, Spencer. Uh, so Lucas's loft. Hannah, she's like basically just showing Emily out, I guess, because she closed the door and well, she walks over to him. A lot of people pointed out that it's the same spray paint on the outside of his door as it is like at the dollhouse door. But it's also it's also the, the Radley door. It's the same, yeah, it's the same door that leads to that rally sanitarium secret entrance we saw. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a set. The, the 24 hour door emporium in, mm-hmm. in Rosewood had a sale that day. Um, Hannah's also wearing like a doily for a blouse. I feel like yeah. we should point that out. Uh, yeah, with uh, tantalizing glimpses through the doily. Um, so uh, it's just her and Jordan now, and he's like, well, what about the. What, <laughs> what did the clinic tell about the oxidant? mechanical failure and she believes that what do you mean does she believe it well the way we rush back here i wonder if maybe she thought it was more than that because she's a woman pumped up with hormones because of the things that she's been through with you and your friends in the past okay so she's not hormonal she's paranoid is that what you mean i don't think i'm doing very well in this conversation you started it because i'm worried about you I feel like you're just like doing it like like Jordan just had dental work done or something. I was just thinking to myself. It's Jordan like just had a root canal. Like I've got cotton balls. Yeah. Just <laughs> uh, and it says, look, I've had a rough couple of days, okay? I don't know. I've never seen you wound so tight. I buried someone who made my life hell for years. I'm being questioned. I'm now being questioned in her murder. I lost my job. I Bad things happen all the time. Conspiracies are harder to come by. Someone tried to hurt you. Not when it's my life story, asshole. And they went to amazingly complex lengths to do that. That person is dead. If you keep looking for things in the shadows, I guarantee you're going to start seeing them. Come back to New York with me. I cannot just... I need to, like, watch his scenes right before we do this. (laughs) I really do. And it says, I can't. Emily needs me. Liar Bond OTP. Mm -hmm. And he's like... And he says, yeah... What does Hannah need? And the whole Hannah inter- knows what Hannah needs. The whole internet collectively cries that out. Also, Hannah face. Yeah. Also, does Emily really need Hannah there, or is this just a convenient excuse to stay in Rosewood? If there was an open window, Hannah would push Jordan out of it right now. Well, I feel as though like a, a switch got flipped in Hannah's brain. Like she was New York Hannah. Mm-hmm. She was sick of this town. This was high school bullshit. She was better than this. And it's like flip. And now it's like oh. There's a, a new A-ish threat, and now I'm back. I'm Rosewood Hannah again. And like, Jordan, what are you doing here? Go away. I want to go write a whole webcomic about New York Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah, but I think she's doing that thing where, like you said, the, the switch has been turned. There's nothing Jordan can do right now where she won't be upset with him for yeah. reasons that have almost nothing to do with him. And he's just not, because of that, he's not going to do anything to make her happy. Well, it's a price you'd pay when you date Hannah Marin. Yeah. Um, okay, so Montgomery House. After the Arya is patiently waiting for Liam to finish reading the new chapters. <laughs> she has put on a horrendous, like, mustard yellow leather jacket thing. Because, of course. Um, the Her sitting there 
pretending to be editing other pages while yeah. he keeps watching him, they could have added like a, a good solid minute to that scene. Yeah, that, she that pretends moment. to like make notes on her own work. Also, also he's he, sitting at Byron's desk. Yeah, he's sitting in her dad's desk, which is a very nice touch. Also, um, there's there's two chapbooks of just poetry on Byron's desk. Well, and it's funny because this is sort of a perfect chance for Arya, at least theoretically, a perfect chance to see what her boyfriend really thinks of her writing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is she's never had this before. Where like you know maybe in the past he was just like being nice or something. She's gonna get like the real input this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's kind of, he pauses, he puts a hand on his forehead, and she's just watching. He sighs, he flips a page, he's making some notes, and he's very pensive. He's finally done, he stacks up the pages, he rubs his eyes, and he's like, what do you think? And he kind of, he's wiping his face, he's rubbing his hands together. He's very similar mannerisms to Arya here. Mm. And Liam says, what's that doctoral quote? Good writing doesn't tell you it's raining. It lets you feel what it's like to be rained upon. Uh, So, real quick. Uh, there's two other great quotes by E.L.L. Doctorow that I like. Uh, one, writing is like driving at night in the fog. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. Also, writing is a socially acceptable form of schizophrenia, hmm. which I, I thought was fitting. I'm just glad he wasn't quoting Cory Doctorow, which I thought he was doing at first when he said <laughs> the word Doctorow. And I was like, seriously? Uh, He's like, <laughs> software should be free and open. Yeah. What's that quote from Boing Boing? (laughs) And Arya says, you like it? And he laughs. Uh, And he says, no, you're telling me it's raining. That's (laughs) how he says. He says, yes, it's beautiful. And she walks over. She's just beaming. She's so happy. And Arya's like, wait, you said that Jillian had notes? And Liam says, well, nothing that can't be addressed. Sometimes there's a shift in language, conflicting voices. (laughs) You know, shifting from Arya to Hannah to Pictunia. (laughs) Arya! You, you need more first person plural. <laughs> Arya, you should put in a scene where a talking pig eats a pork chop, and then he says it tastes like chicken. Arya's huh. like, I was already planning to do that. Chapter five, come on. So she's playing it cool, and he says, "Your former teacher is a terrific writer. Gives me a rush reading his stuff in manuscript." And then he kind of leans forward and folds his hands, and he's looking right at her, and he says. Same sort of rush I get when I read your writing. And Arya's like barely managing not to twitch right now. Well, Arya's just like, I can still tap dance my way out of this. <laughs> she says, well, he was my teacher. And he's like, hmm. Well, you wrote does, this. No, she does this adorable little head bounce. Like, if she can be cute enough, she mm-hmm. can deflect this. Yeah, I just love the way he's like, hmm, you wrote this. Not all of it, but big parts of it. Little big parts of it. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, well, I, I, I might have cleaned up the syntax. And he says, you put in the man with the straw hat, the one we saw at Logan. And Arya's like, motherfucker! Yeah, she's like, God, you were with me. <laughs> and she turns away. She knows the jig is up. I love that. I love that not only does, uh, like, she's come to the end of her, her hijinks here, but she forgot that he was with him, with her. I think that's got to be the most personal. I think... When uh, when he's eventually revealed to have stolen the editorship from her or whatever, mm-hmm. he's going to be like, you didn't even remember that I was there with the man in a straw hat. <laughs> See, I don't know. I feel like these two, like they work with each other because we're going to get to that in a second because she turns away and he's just like, uh-huh. I got a funny feeling after I read the second chapter. I thought I'd better take a look. This is even more you. 
<laughs> Which is, I suppose, it's it's sort of nice that he recognizes her writing. Well, uh, so Arya, Arya's like freaking out. She's making crazy Arya faces, covering her mouth, all this good stuff. I feel like the director's note here was just like Lucy, do the whole greatest hits. Um, <laughs> Liam gets up, comes around the desk towards her, hopefully to get the straight dope from her for once. And he's just like, "Is Ezra Fitz here in Rosewood? Maybe a little incapacitated." And she's like, "No, he's not here." And he's like, "Hmm, does he know what you're doing? And what exactly?" do you think you're doing <laughs> it's just like a eh, funny story uh i mean they cut away from the scene here but i feel like Arya is silently like if this scene were to progress like in real time mm-hmm. he's gonna get 10 full minutes where her face does a triathlon of expressions through a war zone of uh conflicting voices before um, eventually just saying well what do you think <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then I want her to like do her Pictunia voice, where she <laughs> talks out of the side of her mouth like Arya, kill him. He's seen too much. Oh, <laughs> uh, awesome! So we go back to the Hastings barn. Spencer's kind of filling in Caleb on the Mona thing, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Do you believe her?" Oh, I don't have my Caleb today either. No, I think don't. I'm off. I, I do kind of have a cold, so I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on that. That and the, the sleeping we'll, pills I'm on. We'll let you be Spencer this time. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think it's the truth. It might be the truth, but you believe Mona. You believe why she did this. I love this because Caleb hates Mona. Yeah, he's never liked her. Yeah, he does. And yeah. before we get into that, let's just let's just celebrate that hatred, that mm-hmm. juicy, passionate hatred. Yeah. yeah. Spencer says, "I don't think anybody knows why Mona does anything, including Mona." Which, come on, Spencer. Like Mona knows this is all part of her plan. She's just way ahead of you. Mm-hmm. She says, but there's the file. That's the reality. What did your mom say? I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't even talk to her. And she's basically near tears now. She kind of gets up and walks over to the laptop. Look, you all you are already in the Phillips computer. Can't you just corrupt the file? Can you just erase the report? They can't say anything because they shouldn't have it in the first place. Spencer, right now I'm a fly on the wall. The minute I do anything like delete a file Red lights go off everywhere. I am breaking the law just by being in there. And I'm a cybersecurity expert. So God, I know. that's so hot. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's shaking her head. She doesn't want to hear this. She just wants results. So he comes and stands closer and he's just like, you know what she has to do, right? Your mom has to go public with this. She has to get in front of the story before the other side leaks it. It's her secret, not mine. Well, one way or another, it's not going to be her, a secret much longer. And she looks up. She's distraught. She kind of covers her face to cry. I feel like, like, hey, Caleb, you got to give your special lady a little TLC right now. Mm-hmm. But instead, he, like his phone chirps and he checks it. He's got a text from Hannah. It says, can I buy you a drink? And I like the way it kind of disappears behind him. Maybe he swipes it away. I like the way they're presenting the text messages. It it really lets you get more at the motivation behind the gestures, like swiping away a text. You know, yeah, that becomes yeah. like an emotional act on its own. Well, and you get to and, uh, you get like, to fully experience the um the reaction without having to cut to an insert shot. You know, right? Well, with Hannah, it's just like I don't want to deal with all these conflicting voices. Mm-hmm. With Caleb, it's like this needs to be on the down low. Um, we didn't talk about it because of the bathroom break, but the scene with Spencer and Mona is fantastically constructed because. There's something much more interesting about, like, if Spencer's just interrogating Mona, that's one thing. But, like, it's Spencer's shown up and she's done, like, half the work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's not just questioning Mona's actions, 
she's confirming them and like questioning her motivations. I think it's so so interesting rather than just like a simple Q and A scene. Well, um, Mona's like that sounds very elaborate, but of course Mona would do something like that because she knows Spencer, she knows Caleb. <laughs> Yeah. Like she she has confidence that they'll, you know, follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. So Ari's living room, she's well, personally real, real quick, I just want to talk about this scene a little bit. Um this was the scene that made me worry that they're gonna deep six Spencer and Caleb because he's gonna like do something she disagrees with. Mm-hmm. Like that that was the vibe I got. Like I was like, oh shit, he's gonna like he's gonna go tell her mom and Spencer's gonna think it was a betrayal of trust or something like that. Um I got a different idea later on. But this this was the scene I was like, oh, are they about to break up Spela, basically? You know, the, the funny thing is, is that I think we just assume that it's going to end. Yeah, um, well, I feel like that's mostly just from, like, tweets from, like, Marlene and whatnot saying, like, oh, don't worry. You know, and it's all like, ships come I'm, to port and whatever. And I'm not, like... That's why I try to avoid that, because I feel like it's, you know, influencing what I'm seeing. Right. But it's like, it's not something I'm looking... Too. Like it's not something I, I necessarily want, I guess. Well, I just I mean it's not something I envision based on the text. You know? This episode it has me just kind of feeling worried just because it seems like there's no way out of this without somebody getting hurt, and I don't think that person's gonna be Caleb, you know? No, it's not. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. nine iron. Um so Ari's living room, she's <laughs> perched on the edge of the couch again, and Liam's in, this, in the chair near her, and she's coming clean. And she's like, I never intended to actually start writing. I just wanted to keep Jillian interested. And he's like, well, you did that. And she's like, is Ezra going to be in big trouble over this? And this is where I feel like Liam has to not not just like question Arya, but like her actual relationship <laughs> with Ezra and how he fits in. Because he's like, how come you're not asking if you're going to be in trouble? And she's like, well, I just took that for granted. He's like, there's a fine line in between trouble and high adventure. I think, you should, I think you should finish the chapter. And if he's not back by then, we'll figure something out. And Ari's like, he'll be back. And he was like, I think you're right. He'll probably be back. But when he does, you'll have to explain all this creative writing you've been doing and why. How do you think he's going to feel about that? I cannot wait, number one, for Liam to find out that Arya fucked her high school teacher if he doesn't already know. And number two, just like how that eventually is going to go down with Ezra. It's going to be so awkward and delicious. It's going to be wonderful. Um, also, it's a very interesting scene because all of the the, the boyfriend types, and it's just the boyfriend types because mm-hmm. right now there is no romantic interest for Emily. Like they're all questioning the individual liars on their feelings. This is one of those episodes mm-hmm. where it's like, what are you feeling? It's most noticeable with that scumbag rollins because he's uh, and to me it's more insidious because he's, he's he a is, fucking psychiatrist yeah, yeah. he's a psychiatrist so i feel like i've never i don't think i could like be involved romantically with a psychiatrist just because i would always think like what are you doing you head shrinking me yeah yeah are you, do you actually think want to know if i want to get tacos oh what's happening how do i feel about tacos fuck you when Liam says there's a fine line between trouble and high adventure i feel like Arya's just like that's why i'm dating you that right there well, maybe, like she she likes someone she can misbehave with a little. And down the line, maybe that's why he's bad for her. <laughs> but that's partially why I like, I don't know, maybe he's just a good boyfriend and they, they, there's some simpatico on that level. Yeah. All or I'm saying is, it could like, be Ezra. Let's let's take what we have, you know. True, 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 true. Um, but maybe also he's just like, I don't care who writes what. I want pages. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're just, all in on that one, okay. I... Uh, 
I think it's interesting. It's it's for the purpose of a guy who does a podcast. It's much more interesting mm-hmm. than like Liam, the sensitive, adorable boyfriend. Well, I, see, I think he's secretly either A or the killer because b- because he's so unnoticed as far as like the 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 intrigue goes. He's, so he's just kind of there. He never comes off as especially shady, but he is extremely perceptive. So when Arya wakes up in like a room in the Radley in like the finale and like there's the figure in the black hoodie and it turns mm-hmm. around and he's Liam and he has like a British accent and he's just like, I couldn't have written a better ending, Arya. <laughs> I'm Ren's <laughs> I'm Ren's twin brother, yeah. Um Well and it's because like it, you would never suspect the guy that called you out on writing for Ezra. It's like surely A wouldn't like reveal that they knew that to you, like that kind of thing, you know. Just picturing I'm Ren's twin brother, Rick. <laughs> With a W. Uh, so, yeah, we go to... <laughs> That's not even funny. We go to the Radley Lounge. That's why it's so funny. Yeah, so Caleb and Hanger, Hannah are hanging out, having drinks. That's all you do at the Radley. Yeah, she's, she's got having, a Cosmo. Yeah, she's having a cocktail. He's having a, He has a tall beer glass in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, blowing your mind on the night this aired, she says, I poked the bear, and the bear stole Emily's eggs. We poked the bear together. I guess that's what the kids are calling it these days. Uh, and so, yeah, she says, so it's, it was our fault. And he says, what happened to Emily? No. Bullies don't need excuses. They're just bullies. I bet the A was playing us as soon as they found out what Emily was up to. That was my point. It was, you're right, the timing of his video being found. Um, but I could see where A would try to blame this on Caleb. But Caleb's point is that mm-hmm. A's a bully. He's going to do whatever. Yeah. And Hannah says, you said A, which I love. Like, she's so ex- resistant to acknowledging what's right in front of her. Also, you know, it's like it surprises her to hear the word A. Hasn't Caleb labeled this person A or some variation of A more than anyone so far? Well, he like, said evil OJ. and Boji last episode. Um, I mean, what do you want me to call it? Waldo? No, it's not A. It's not the same person. It, it's just a letter, a symbol. You know, it's like an algebra problem. Solve this equation for A. It's like the Dread Pirate Roberts, Hannah. <laughs> it was the please that interested me. <laughs> His name was Cumberbund. <laughs> His name was Cumberbund. Uh, Hannah has no time for your math talk, Caleb. Uh, she says, yeah, I can't tell you how much algebra comes up in everyday life. And then he says, I have a secret. I'm not left-handed either. Um, no, he says, it's not the same person, but they want the same thing. They want to make you miserable. But this time, you are smarter and you're stronger. And you know that you can beat this because you've done it before. Well, Hannah's face right now is just like, damn. I well, forgot how nice it was to have you blowing sunshine up my ass. Well, yeah, she hasn't had anything resembling a Caleb pep talk in a while. And they kind of eye fuck for a, for a moment here. And then she refers to his beard. And she's like, so when did you go all micro brew? Um, <clears throat> a couple years ago. Mostly because of Toby. We kept threatening to open up a brewery. The Hardy Brews. Like, why are not more people obsessing over this detail? Let me just pitch you this TV show, okay? It's a couple yes. of guys. Yes. They run a microbrewery. Yes. One of them's a cop, and they solve beer-related crimes. But they also, like, they get involved in the lives of, like, their customers, too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, they do them favors and stuff. and yeah. uh, It's like Simon and Simon, but with actual bad guys. Actual bad guys. <laughs> Which could be the name of the brewery? Well, I think the name of the brewery has to be uh, the Brotherhood of Ex-Boyfriends. 
<laughs> and people are like, I don't want to drink there. <laughs> Sounds creepy. Sounds MRA. <laughs> you don't want to drink here now. You will. Trust me. She'll leave you. Uh, <laughs> so Hannah says. There's silent investor for Rick Kingston. <laughs> Hannah says, well, maybe you will. And he kind of shakes his head a little. And he's like, maybe. maybe. Things change, though. Personal dynamics are different. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I guess so. And then it just gets kind of awkward. So he rubs his hands and checks his phones. And she's like, oh, if you have to go. Yeah, actually, there are some things I need to take care of. So uh... and he reaches for the bill. And then she puts her hand out right on his arm there. And the mm-hmm. camera cuts to a close up of this to make sure, like, oh, she touched his arm there. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. It's good. Next time. He nods. And he's like, next time. And then he gets up and rounds a corner and kind of like walks out and kind of watches him go. And I, I saw something online where somebody was just like, Caleb is heartless because he doesn't even look back at her. And I was like, that's not the point of the scene. The point is the scene is like Hannah's kind of pondering the things that have that have passed. Well, you just know? because Hannah's feeling it doesn't mean that Caleb is aware of that. you know? Right, exactly. And. But the point is, it, the point of the scene is Hannah. <laughs> it's not not yeah. Caleb's feelings. Well, because um, we're she's gonna stir her drink, and I believe it was the Bustle Girls talking about the kind of a uh, sexual nature of that stirring that you know the kind of frustration it represents. I think well, it was I them. Mean, Might have been Cabernet. Hmm. Um, the only thing would have been better is if they, she actually had a beer bottle and she just ripped the label. Off <laughs> yeah. <there>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was Cabernet. Um, but yeah, because we're gonna go to a flashback uh, to a yeah. cat. Yes. Uh, well, so it's New York. It's a few years earlier. We can hear the thumping music from the club that we're outside of in an alleyway. And there's Caleb playing with the cat. Hannah sees him. Caleb's playing with the cat. She's like, that's right. I'm perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's uh, dressed for a club. He's in like a blazer with no tie. He's playing. He's got like a hors d'oeuvre on a skewer or something. He's playing with the cat with. And the cat's batting at it. And then uh, Hannah says, who's your friend? And we see <laughs> she's in a like a very kind of swanky dress yeah. you know like like something you'd wear to like an award ceremony or something um she's says, standing in the doorway to the club at the artist interest here yeah she's like you found him out there you know she's probably the search for him and he's like oh this is harvey he really likes your hors d'oeuvres that's a very suspicious name for that cat it is yeah. i mean it would have been funnier to me if it was like a like a bunny rabbit <laughs> yeah and it says well he better they cost enough and he kind of just like gnaws and keeps like feeding something on that, that skewer to the cat. He's like, I don't think Sybil likes me very much. Who's Sybil? Your new boss. <laughs> her name is Celeste. Ah, I called her Sybil. Probably why she doesn't like me. She looks like a Sybil, though. All these designers you work with look like Sybils. I can't keep track. I thought you wanted to come here. And he kind of, <sighs> he sighs and he holds up. He's holding like an empty drink here. Yeah. I've been wor- I've been buried in work for three weeks. I wanted to be with you. And come back inside. Well, he stirs the drink of a straw, basically saying, like, fuck that to her. And then, like, offers her the glass. Well, the, the glass is the real fuck that. Like, basically, like, here, take this glass. It's just pretty cold. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I have no more. I'm no more like, bound to this place or this event. Um, yeah. And so uh, she says, so um, do you want to come to the Hamptons this weekend? The Hamptons are just another part of Manhattan, except it takes three hours to get there. What do you want? What do you want? I want to be in a place where we don't have to ask each other what we want. 
Oh, this whole convo is too real, man. Mm. I feel like Caleb, he's he's being kind of a dick, but oh, I know that feel, bro. Mm. And Hannah says, I want to go back to just sort of knowing what the other person wanted. Yeah. Where was that exactly? Sad Hannah face. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like in, in mild defense of Caleb here, I'm sure this isn't like the first time this has come up. This like, is I don't end. think he's like suddenly just being like, like, oh, he's an asshole out, out of nowhere. Like, yeah, this is this is probably the end of a long series of you know situations like this. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah I don't think you can put all the blame on him but of course this is the this is the part that she's remembering because it feeds into the sadness that she's already feeling. Well, this is the this is to me like the flashback that's the most like potentially influenced by the present narrative. Well they're moving in different directions in the flashback. She wants a New York City fashion life. He doesn't like the person she has to be to fit in with that crowd is kind of what I'm getting from him. He he just wants her to be Hannah, but Hannah is not frozen in time. She's kind of, you know, growing and evolving. On top of it, this is the job that he got solely so she could be in New York, Mm -hmm. Um, which is already like a a stressful place for a relationship. Um, So then, yeah, the the PA, we hear kind of muffled inside, says, ladies and gentlemen, the mind behind the collection, your host is Celeste. And you hear like cheering inside and Hannah kind of looks back at the door, kind of pain. It's fine. Go ahead. I got stuff I need to finish anyway. <clears throat> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Will I see you at the apartment? And he gets up and he kind of shrugs like, where else would I go? And then he walks off and calls back over his shoulder. Don't turn into a Sybil. Doesn't even look That's at her. That's pretty harsh. Doesn't even look at her. He just kind of says it over his shoulder back at her. And we see this like shot of like like now like looking poor small hannah there in her like elegant dress in the alleyway left in an alleyway well it's pretty clear why they broke up yeah and sad because i I feel like they were so good together in rosewood but obviously like like this just it's not just that this isn't caleb's scene it's just like he doesn't really like the person that she is now i guess is kind of the vibe i get well, I think I like think he doesn't feel like there's a place for him there. A small part of it too is that this is not his town, you know. This yeah, whole, this whole world. But uh, in the novel version of this, I think you turn the page and it just says a week later, Caleb got on the plane for Barcelona. <laughs> well, and I feel like politics must feel so much more authentic to Caleb than fashion. Mm. Like even though those are both in their own way, well, it's, very it's, it's surf- strategy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something he can feel passionate about. Even I mean, obviously politics has a lot of like, you know, like bullshit involved in it as well. But it's not the same as fashion. Like Caleb can like invest himself in, in politics the way he can. Something like fashion. Well, I mean, I've worked in small town politics and it's it's it feels somewhat similar on a smaller scale. What I did to what Veronica is going through. But yeah, it's it's strategy. And it's like the, for the person who has a little bit of a fight in them. It's perfect, and that comes alive in you, and you begrudgingly respect the people on the other side because they're doing the same thing you are. I mean, you obviously think they're they're monsters. I don't know. It's well, plus, not to well, say that people in fashion are horrible or anything, but it's it's just not. It doesn't interest Caleb clearly. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to shit talk like the fashion industry. Although obviously Amy Amy Yazbek's uh, cameo wouldn't do a lot of favors <laughs> for that, but like it, we talk about how. How Hannah has the least scandalous uh, uh, present day shenanigans other than, you know, her and her mom destroying, you know, drives of police evidence or whatever. But it's like 
ooh, like, what are you going to do, A, like, release a sex tape of a woman who was just recently fired from the fashion industry? <laughs> like, that's that's almost more fucked up than, like, destroying all those eggs. Yeah, so um, we, uh, we end the flashback to just Hannah kind of stewing in the Radley Lounge here. What do you think she's feeling right now? Is Is this just, like, a regret longing for Caleb? I don't know if it's a longing for Caleb, but I think it's, it's, uh, it, the, this, this flashback, it feels like sympathetic vibrations to what just happened, the way he walked out, you know, it's like, hmm, okay. they, they still like each other, but they know that, that they're not, you know, on the same frequency at all. And he left to go do something more important. Well, I guess know? the way I read it was this, is that Hannah, like identity has always been like the kind of primary character arc that she's on like yeah. what is hannah's identity she lost her new york city job she's suddenly back in roseville and it's it's like roseville. <laughs> i'm sorry rosewood um it's like her uh her new york city persona is suddenly like melting away yeah and now it's like i think she's just like in a an identity crisis almost where it's like wait am i not actually that person like suddenly jordan doesn't make sense to her anymore and he just kind of annoys her and she's kind of turning back into rosewood hannah mm-hmm. and and now here's caleb and it's like what to do now because caleb is you know with somebody else now and it's like are these real feelings for caleb again or is well and, and jordan makes more sense for a new york hannah mm-hmm. caleb makes more sense for a rosewood hannah but and, seemingly and she can't have caleb now because in he rosewood moved on. hannah's like status quo was one identity crisis after another. And the only person that ever made her feel good in that place was Caleb because he talked about how you can be who you are and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean the only other person that would have been more positive and influence on Hannah's life than Caleb rivers would maybe be like Jacob Clifton. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, and here, like the, the camera movie is essential here because it, it's essentially the camera pulls it back from her in this bar the same way it did in that alleyway, where I think she's just kind of replaying something that felt sympathetic that the time Caleb walked out on her, you know, well, when she needed him to stay. It's sort of a no-win situation here. Yeah, you know, I mean, Spencer's one of her best friends. Like, there's there's no way out of this without somebody feeling like shit. And I think Hannah's the kind of person who will always choose that to be herself yeah yeah um and and sometimes you know you just want to feel bad for yourself and so Mm -hmm. you will seek out the things that that heighten that that continue that to prolong it um you know and and it's 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 easy in like real life to criticize people for doing that but sometimes that's the vibe you need to feel before you feel something else uh yeah so uh meanwhile the brew Speaking of, speaking of vibes, spacing out in a chair, she has on uh, like red leather capri pants. Yes, she does. <laughs> She's like, it still makes more sense than whatever Arya's wearing. Yeah. And then uh, we hear Tanner says, you can drink coffee this late and it won't keep you awake. And Emily kind of looks up. She's Tanner's just drifting over, holding like a smoothie or something. Well, it looks like orange juice. And then I thought to myself, maybe it's a screwdriver. I feel like that's a little cloudy for orange juice. I don't know. Uh, Emily, Emily kind of clears her throat and she says, it's tea. And uh, Tanner says, can I talk to you for a moment? And then she just sits down without an answer. And Emily makes this really as funny, if, annoyed as if she's face. A male. Yeah, she, Emily makes this really funny, annoyed face. But, like, tries to maintain her chill. But it's just like, uh, I didn't say yes. Uh, I'm like, what are you, a rosewood male? <laughs> mm-hmm. Tanner says, I want to thank 
you and the others for staying in town helping with the investigation. And he's like, yeah, we didn't have a choice. And Tanner says, I know you've all got your own lives, things to do, and staying in Rosewood has got to be a sacrifice. It certainly is for me. I feel like she's just like throwing dirt in Emily's face right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's like she knows. Like yeah, you don't have shit to do. Fuck mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and Emily says it's not like we're strangers here. And Tanner says, "Hmm, no, it's not." So what do you think of the old town? Has it changed much? And Emily says, "In some ways, yes. In other ways, not so much." And Tanner's like, "Hmm, I'll tell you one way. It's different." What happened to Charlotte de Laurentiis, that is the first homicide we have had here in five years. All that time you and your friends weren't here, no murders. But when everybody gets together, I just think that's a very interesting statistic, don't you? Mm -hmm. Oh, I gotta love that line reading so much. (laughs) And he's like, I don't know about statistics, I stopped going to class in like the 10th grade. It's just, I just know that Allison deserves answers. Well, it, this this whole sequence is uh, Emily's trying to throw her own shade, mm-hmm. and Tanner's just like, "No, I'm better at this. I'm Tanner's a thousand like, times better at this." Tanner's like, "I'm glad you feel that way. So if I have to take steps to keep all interested parties here in Rosewood till this is resolved, I know you'll understand." And Emily is <laughs> basically she kind of looks away, like trying not to give anything up to Tanner, and Tanner's just like, "Don't let your tea get cold. What a sassy bitch." Well, after lobbing that grenade, Tanner just gets mm-hmm. some leaves. But it's it's like Emily looks she looks rattled and a little bit upset. Like she she knows she just walked into that trap. I feel like Emily just wants to be like, You're not on SVU. Do you know that? Like this isn't a normal show, the Columbo routine, it doesn't work. Didn't you learn anything? I I still love it though. I still love every second of Tanner. Um but it's like she's also thrown into to Emily's face though the fact that you care about Allison so much is what's going to mm-hmm. keep you here yet again yeah so then we go to the Hastings bar and Spencer's putting on like her big gray trench coat and she pauses because she sees there's a little Hastings for state senate button on the lapel and she takes a big breath she opens the door and then oh Allison's right outside making like sad alley face a little bit of sad alley face a little bit of like surprise it's me yeah. Oh no, Allie's here to unload some bullshit on you, Spencer. Run! Uh, uh, well, Allison's about to turn Spencer into her Caleb. Um, and then so, yeah, cut, speak- cut to an elevator door opening. Like Speaking in an of the hottest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, yeah, the elevator door opens. We see the legs of Mona Vanderall enter the elevator. She Pink hits and a- gold heels, yeah. Gold tipped. Hits the button for the floor. She wants the door shut. Just then, a hand juts in, stopping them. Mona gasps a little. Door opens up again. It's Caleb strutting in. He faces her. Well, and he's, he's going to be very menacing through this whole scene. Well, the chemistry here is so tense and hot that this could either be a horror movie or a porno or both. <laughs> um, and he's like, going down. Um, which, you know, loving an elevator. Uh, Mona is steely. And she does this kind of head turn thing where she'll acknowledge Caleb's barbs one by one without responding. Well, Mona is the master of seeming vulnerable when we know that she's not. Well, I like, think she, she, she has this small. like way of like seeming like, oh, hey, hey, be nice to her when like, you know, she's fully capable. You know? Well, it's like, but she she can like stature wise. She's a smaller person. Yeah him but then at the same time she's got this like fuck you razor blade eyes that are <laughs> shooting out at him um so he's like 
I have a message for you and all those little Monas running around inside your head. Mm-hmm. If I find out that you're messing with Spencer in any way, shape, or form, I will personally take you apart. And she kind of collects herself for a bit of retort, and she says, Just out of curiosity, who kisses better, Hannah, Spencer, or me? And he just, like, glares hatred at her. Well, it is hot. Like, though, at the same time, it's passionate. So they're, the elevator door... Oh, well, Kayla's just like, Jesus, I get us that in every goddamn interview. Yeah. So the door ring, and I the doorbell thing, or the door thing opens, and, like, Mona gives him this kind of adorably defiant gesture towards the doors, like, either get out of my way or let's fuck for hours. Um, and he kind of steps back, giving her passage, and he's like, watch your step. And she struts out, and he just, like, watches her and then follows. And, and your fan picture... Kayla's just like... I was hoping that would sound a lot more badass. <laughs> if this wasn't the lobby in the fan fiction, they're going right to her room, right? I feel like you're a little more in on that than I am. I feel like, you know, my number one, my chief thing for Spalo, you know, back when we were absolutely against it, was like, but they have outrageous chemistry. I feel like it's the mm-hmm. same thing with uh, Caleb and Mona. I, 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 you know, I yeah, I just I, feel like Mona as a character, like, wouldn't give him the satisfaction. It, she'd have to really be wanting to get back at Spencer and Hannah at the same time. She, she would make him make the move. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think that you could maybe interpret, like, that gesture towards the door a little bit. Hmm. Um, cause she knows that she's in charge still. Like, he's, if, if she wasn't in charge, he wouldn't have to like confront her and accost her in an elevator. You know what I mean? Like he would not have to like back her against the wall. If well, she this episode, Caleb is kind of low key sketchy in this episode. Well, like because... I, I, on the surface, it's like, Oh, he's trying to, you know, go protect this girl or whatever. But like, he's like, Oh, I can just go intimidate Mona in an elevator and be kind of creepy. Well, and it's a little bit of that typical Rosemary male thing of like, what do you mean you don't hate this person for the same reason I hate them in the same way I hate them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Spencer's kind of just like, it's, it's a little more, <laughs> dare I tell you, Caleb, it's a little more complicated. Yeah. So then we're going to cut to Allie unloading her love Arch life Arch. on a supremely uninterested Spencer in the barn here. I wouldn't say uninterested. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm editorializing. And Allie says, and I turned around, and it was just Charlotte and me. My dad didn't want anything to do with us. Jason is at the Kirasimi group, doing whatever. Uh, we were alone until Elliot started taking care of Charlotte. And Spencer says, Dr. Rollins saved Charlotte's soul, and you fell in love with him. And Allie says, at first, I thought it was gratitude, but it wasn't. Yes, it was. And then Allie says, and then I realized it was mutual. No, it wasn't. And Spencer says, and it was also inappropriate because he was your sister's doctor. Which, honestly, on like the PLL scale of inappropriateness, that doesn't even move the needle. But, I mean, especially coming from you, Spencer. But, but I mean, it's the one time in this scene that the actual character matches with you're projecting onto the scene. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I feel like this is that scene where it's like you're in a coma and like your ghost is like experiencing the adventures of the characters like yelling at them to do stuff and they're not yeah well i'll talk about that at the end of the scene um so ali kind of looks down she's considering this and she says in one way charlotte and i are alike we put a lot of energy into being people no one could love and it's like ah, but emily loved you ali what the fuck mm-hmm. and ali says like 
we were trying to prove something and then someone looks looks at you and sees you and it's all right um i feel like this is actually a great little slice of dialogue here oh yeah absolutely. and it's so perfectly alley and it is so wasted on a rollins because he's a weird skis and we never saw this relationship develop at all so it just like it doesn't register in the way that it should because that is actually totally an alley thing to say that the idea of putting energy into being somebody that nobody could love just to prove something, you know? But I think it also, it humanizes Charlotte in her absence too. And, and like how they bonded over those five years in a way. I mean, cause I mean, that's, that was basically oh, the idea, thing yeah. is to how do you, like, how does this person, my sister, like, how do I relate to them? And I think that's one thing Alice realized is that we put a lot of energy into being people. No one could love mm-hmm. because that's easier than, than being loved and being rejected. We accept the love we believe we deserve. Exactly. And Ali says, I don't want to keep it a secret anymore. I'm tired of secrets. And Ali says, or Spencer says, Ali, there's no time. And Ali's like, it's late. I'm sorry. And she tries to leave. And then Spencer kind of grabs her hand and stops her. And she says, no, no. I mean, there's never enough time. And they kind of smile at each other. So on first watch of this scene, it put me to sleep. Because I hate Rollins that much. Um, on rewatch, I think Sasha's really good here. I just have no emotional connection to Rollins at all. And I, I don't really know how you write around that other than giving us like flashbacks to show their relationship developing. Um, I don't know. It's like Rollins is just a black hole to me. Like, I, I think one of the problems the show runs into is that Allie, like you already have four lead storylines. Mm-hmm. and it's it's hard enough like balancing them and there's just never enough room for Allie to get her own complete storyline here not that she's ever really been the most fleshed out character either by design or because of the real estate taken up by the show i mean i think what's interesting uh i mean i have probably a slightly less visceral hate for rollins than you do but this is another scene much like at the end of 6a where former allies and enemies Spencer and Allison or Spencer has to give Allison affirmation and permission to do something ridiculous in her love life. Is it really that ridiculous though? Uh, Rollins? Yeah. Oh, I mean, he sucks, but I mean like theoretically like, Oh no, it's your dead sister psychiatrist. Like nobody cares. But I mean like, just like, at the, like at the N6A when Allison had to turn to Spencer and be like, like Spencer, you have maybe the lowest opinion of me of anyone ever. Should I take a chance on a guy like Lorenzo? And Spencer's <laughs> like, Fuck yeah. Especially because it'll piss off Toby. Do it. You know? And here she's just just, like, fuck yeah, because it'll piss off Benjamin Light. Do it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like we're missing that element that would make us care about Allie's relationship, you know? So, uh, yeah, later in the Hastings living room, Spencer finally got to leave the barn, and she sees that Veronica has fallen asleep on the couch in front of her laptop on the coffee table there. Uh, She's kind of standing in the back door. Well, she, like laptop papers all around her, like all the campaign stuff around mm-hmm. her. And it's like, Red it's Bull, gotta, yeah. it's gotta like Ooh, banana peel. It's gotta like drive Spencer in both directions. That one, here's my mom just like immersed in this stuff and loving it. And also here's my mom passed out. Like I, I'm already worried about signs of, you know, physical frailty. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's like basically gonna like walk on like tiptoe on the needle here. Um, so she, well, she's about to leave, but then Veronica's phone rings and, and Veronica wakes up. Yeah. And instantly, like, just like on, on, I don't know what, like, by habit, just grabs it, answers the phone. Hi, yes, Gil. 
you know, and then she looks up, sees Veronica's like, or sees Spencer there and kind of waves and waves her in. And Veronica's like, oh, I, I'm here. Give me those numbers. Okay. Well, that could have been better. Uh-huh. What does it look like county by county? Okay. When am I doing the drive time Scranton? Who is driving in Scranton at 5 a.m.? Regional paper company. What? <laughs> no, just, uh, just give me a call 10 minutes before. Thanks. Bye. She hangs up and sits back, like talking to Spencer. Um, and she's like, the numbers haven't moved in a week. I swear it's going to come down to the 15 remaining undecided voters. And Spencer's just like, well, I will hunt them down for you one at a time. And murder them. Yes. <laughs> Veronica's like, will you take them to the polling place? And Spencer's like, I will carry them on my back if necessary. Just imagine it's election day and Spencer Hastings like knocks on your door. I feel yeah. like she's like, who are you voting for? And they're like, Phillips. And then she just like, you know, blows them away. Well, like you just open the door and boxers like holding a coffee cup. And she's like, come on. Polls are closed. Yeah. So Spencer, her mom's laughing. Spencer kind of comes over and sits next to her. And she's like, mom. And Veronica's like, hmm. And Spencer says, I'm worried about you. Veronica says, don't be. We're going to win this thing. Spencer says, I know I'm not worried about the election. I'm worried about you. Veronica kind of shrugs it off. She's like, it's going to be fine. Spencer says, I hope so. Veronica says, you know what I wish? Spencer says, what? What do you wish? And Veronica says, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. 10 even. <laughs> All that time I wasted suing people. Getting property easements. Getting your friends off of murder charges. Yeah. Well, Spencer, she keeps her face placid here, but like her heart is breaking inside right now. Yep. It's kind of like thinking about the implications of what Veronica's saying. And Spencer says, well, you're doing it now. And Veronica says, yes, I am doing it now. And Spencer says, and you're going to win. Veronica says, yes, I am. And Spencer smiles and she takes her mom's coffee cup away and says, and now you're going to need to go to sleep. Veronica says, well, pretty soon. I love you. And Spencer says, love you too. She gets up to leave. It's kind of killing me that she like, doesn't tell her mom in the scene. I like, felt I the same way watching it, but I, I felt, I felt, you know, all the reasons why you wouldn't, I guess. Yeah, it's like, it's such a hard conversation to have. But it's just like, ah, oh, tell your mom. Because if you don't, the other campaign's going to leak it and you're going to be fucked anyway, you know. And, and you know, I don't think that's the case. But that could have also always been Mona's plan, too. What do you mean? It's not an unheard of political tactic to insinuate to your opponents that we have something that we're going to leak. And then the other people think, well, I better leak it in advance to get on top of this. And then I don't think that's Mona's plan, though. No, I don't think that's Mona's plan, but it's not an unheard of tactic. Um, so Spencer, like, she starts to leave, and Veronica's going through some papers, and uh, then she remembers something, and she's like, oh, honey, uh, Gil wants the flight number off Melissa's bag. It's in the barn. And Spencer's like, okay, good night. She proceeds in the night. And my, my first thought was like, oh, shit, they're going to kill Veronica. Like, she's going to win the election and then die. That wasn't my thought at all, personally. That was my that was my 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 darkest fear. Mm. Yes, I you don't like instantly die from breast cancer. Um, no, 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 it wasn't like <laughs> breast cancer's gone to her brain or something like yeah. that. I just thought like, oh yeah, like there's I feel like there's this this tragic shadow that Spencer can foresee. My thought oh, was that that's the second time they mentioned that fucking flight number, so something's up. Like I don't know what yet, but there's something important about that. Yeah, they wouldn't have repeated that without a reason. So. uh yeah, we're going to go back to Allie's now. She's trying to have, you know, the big relationship talk with this asshole here. But, I mean, anyway, so so back to that. Like, Veronica's soaring higher than she ever has before. Spencer's not going to, you know, take that away from her now. Um, Yeah, so Allison and, and Rollins. Ugh. Yeah, Allie says, I should have, 
Uh, told you. Uh, yeah, sorry. There's like a typo here. Should have told you that I was going to talk to Spencer. I was just afraid that you'd try and stop me, which is a totally healthy thing to say. And Rollins says, "How did it feel telling her about us? See, what a fucking creepy psychiatrist way to respond. Like she's not your patient, dude." But I mean, <laughs> I feel like all the boyfriends have asked. I mean, even Liam asked Arya something about how does she feel about blah blah blah. And it's funny, it's because of his profession and because we already hate him. I think we assign like ulterior nasty motives to this. No, I don't think so. I think that that line is very pointed. When when she tells you that when you and you respond, oh, how did it feel telling her about us? That's just fucking weird. That's not well, the way a normal human responds. Everything about this guy is fucking weird. Like he seems dark and wishy-washy here yeah. um and she's like it helped and he's like helped well he's doing the psychiatrist thing where he just like asks like leading questions like go on you know or or throws your own words back at you mm-hmm. to make them seem different um she's like it helped me make up my mind about us and he kind of gets up maybe freaking out a little bit well he's like sighing he's like all the body language here like he's looking away he's not making eye contact and he's and he sighs and he's like things are moving very quickly oh I fuck think- off I think there's an argument to be made for keeping it the way it is for oh, now. What a very passive voice. So I Allison, think there's an argument to be made. Why don't you make the argument then, you motherfucker? Allison, you know, because she knows how television blocking works, she stands getting back on his level and she says, I guess we could do that. But then we're going to be having this conversation in a month or a year. And I don't think I can take that. And he's like, I know it's been difficult, but I want to protect you. And Allison's you like... You know, I have metaphorically and literally crawled out of my own grave. So she's like, you don't have to protect me from rumors. They can't hurt me. Not anymore. But if you're afraid for yourself, well, that's something else. This guy's full of shit, man. I hate him. He's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not put any labels on anything right now. It's moving a little too fast. Yeah. So he says, what do you want, Allison? And she says, I want something very complicated. I want you to take me to a movie. I want you to hold my hand in a restaurant. Okay, I just say, I want something very complicated. And Ron's just like, then you should really be talking to Caleb. Yeah. And Caleb's just like, bro, don't bring me into this. And Ron's is like, seriously, hashtag night iron. Um, so they, they kiss and then they do that kind of classic. We cut to the exterior. It's like the POV through the dealer into window as if someone's watching them. We hear like the rustling of leaves or branches here. Um, also the thing about Rollins, uh, I tried to like nail down what he looks like to me. I forgot to mention this jerk is dressed like a hoity toity Slytherin. Yeah. It's a very dark suit, like gray shirt underneath a black. Like, coat. I mean, I feel like. Like Jason Isaacs could walk in and take over this role, and it'd be fascinating. I don't. I mean, is there anyone who's just like shipping this? I hate to ask. I but. do not think so. No, I, I think not a single person. So I have a couple thoughts here. Number one, Allie needs to throw this guy down some stairs, <laughs> or have Arya do it. Whoops. Number two, the lack of real scandal. Like, oh, you're dating a dead woman's sister. You know, like this, nobody really cares. It makes him look like a total shithead for hesitating. Like, it's just like, whoa, whoa, I, you know, I don't know. Let's not uh, move too quickly here. I just like fucking you, you know? It's especially shitty for Allison because he's treating her emotions like they don't matter, especially when she's finally, like, able to confront them and verbalize them to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last point. So we get that quasi POV shot with the leaves rustling as we pull out. it, could this just be to throw off suspicion on Rollins? Because it's like, oh, well, A is watching them, so he's not A, right? Oh, absolutely. It could have been the way. Yeah. 
Like, I feel like this is like a, a misdirect, perhaps, because Ron's I mean, just shady as fuck. We've talked about before that the show has always done that. It's always been brilliant. Yeah. If, if it's not like to imply that somebody was just outside watching this, it's to imply that this is the world you live in. You know, they might as well have like cut to a, a security camera or a demented cherub, you know, on okay. the ceiling. So, meanwhile, in better plot lines, uh, Mulder and Scully here, Arya and Hannah. Arya is obviously Mulder. I was going to say, Arya, I mean, did anyone see that last episode of the X-Files? I did not. It is, it is at once, like, mind-boggling. It's, it's every aspect of the X-Files, both good and bad. I'm just glad that my Mulder and Scully references are current again. Yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah it really is so they're, they've got their flashlights they're walking through some uh, creepy hallways classic Mulder and Scully style and Arya says we should well, wait for they're, Spencer they're back in that passageway under the rally yeah under the rally uh, Hannah says no we have to get there before Sarah has a chance to take Emily's eggs out of the minibar and Arya says I don't think she shoved them in there with those $7 orange juice and Hannah's like god my mom thought she got rid of all the rally ghosts well, she finds out finds out about this. She'll be down here with a jackhammer, which just yes, we need to see Ashley Marin rocking a jackhammer. Well, just can you can you picture her like in like one of those skin tight painted on dresses, whacking a wall with like a <laughs> like a sledgehammer and then like jackhammering mm-hmm. something, and then she pauses like uh, surrounded by like dirty, gross, sl- like like slobby workmen, and she just like throws back a, like a glass of wine <laughs> for refreshment. Um. So they hear yeah. a noise up ahead, and Ari's like, what was that? And then they hear like another thud, and Ari says, do you think that's Sarah? And Hannah says, maybe she needs a hand. And Arya completely fails to high-five Hannah here for that awesome one-liner. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. she needs a hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like Hannah should have stopped and be like, seriously? Nothing? Come on. That's gold. So Arya, they- Arya's still like hurting from the lack of uh, like her getting to make the, uh, the cask of Amontillado reference earlier. <laughs> yeah so they charge through this door here to see what this thudding is and there's oh there's somebody there and they're kind of like wrestling with this person for a second you see they have dark hair and for a second i was like oh is it mona no it's emily and they they see that it's emily and aria sighs she's like visibly disappointed and emily just looks embarrassed mm-hmm. and so then we're gonna cut to later hannah has the- her hand on, on emily's boob yeah later we're in the uh radley lounge Emily and Arya are kind of talking over drinks. I think in this season, either liquor or coffee has been in like every single scene with mm-hmm. the liars. Well, in that, and I'm always fascinated now where they'll add in more like here's some kind of tray of food that they've nibbled at. Mm-hmm. More and more, I, I don't know. It's so, it's so intriguing to me. Um, so yeah, they're they're getting the lowdown, and Emily's just like, I wanted to see for myself, and I thought maybe there was an old freezer or something down there. There's nothing, no electricity, no nothing. And I was like, why didn't you tell us? We could have gone with you. And I was like, I wanted to go alone in case I found them. Um, so Hannah like sits with them and she's just like, the desk clerk said nobody's seen Sarah Harvey since she left the hotel last night. Which, is that something a desk clerk would tell you? Well, I think Hannah's just like, have you seen a totally creepy girl with short blonde hair and robot hands? And he's just like, not since last night. No, we definitely haven't seen her. We all talk about her. <laughs> and it's like, Thanks, and she slides a twenty across the counter. Mm-hmm. So Arya's like, "Well, where is she?" And Hannah's like, "I don't know. Probably in some other hole somewhere." <laughs> That's cue Sarah Harvey hissing. Yeah, and she says, "I'm sorry about grabbing your boob, Em." And I was like, "Don't worry about it. I just have to face it." 
uh, one way or another, my eggs are gone. And Hannah's like, look, Emily, you have the money. Use it. Finish school. That's what you wanted. That's why you put yourself through this. And Ari's like, yeah, Hannah's right. What happened was terrible, but you're not responsible. And Hannah says, bullies don't need excuses, which she's quoting Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like hashtag Caleb. It's like there's a, an ember of like a mm-hmm. strength still within Hannah. Like uh, eventually she'll remember that some of the best advice that she's ever heard actually came from herself. Like you get stronger in the broken places. Then Ari's like, you can always donate them again. Just remember to keep some for yourself. And he says, yeah, I just want to be with someone when that happens. And so far, my relationships have been all been challenging. It's like, oh, maybe you should go apologize to Sabrina then. Just saying. And Hannah says, well, and she kind of turns to Ari and says, you will have kids. And then to Emily, you will have kids. Spencer will have kids. I will have kids. And we will all have beautiful babies. And Ari kind of smiles. And Emily's like, more visualizations. And Hannah says, absolutely. Just wait till you see what I've planned for our playdates. Burying bodies. Yeah, and we just kind of nods at that. PLL the next generation. I would not be shocked if at least one of these liars did not have kids. Like possibly Arya. I feel like she doesn't seem particularly into kids. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. That's something interesting to ponder. Um, oh, I wanted to take this back. I, I know this is, we've walked away from it quite a bit now. Um, the dude, Reese from the Karasimi group. Oh, that guy? What the fuck was the introduction between him and Jason like? Was Reese just like looking at you? It was like looking into like a stoned, dumb mirror. <laughs> and Jason's just like, I get that. <laughs> I mean, did they fire that guy? I don't well, know. Yeah, like what? Like what is the... <laughs> Jason's it... running the Kurosumi group now. It's lost half its value. <laughs> running into the ground. No. I mean, like, does Charlotte like bequeath it to Jason? Does it stay in the De Laurentiis family somehow, like legally? Is it like because the family like took the yeah, house back from you that you bought Jason? I don't know. I'm I'm like I I, I kind of wonder like is this like a throwaway so people won't ask about it, or is this like a placeholder so we can come back to it? I'm it's just probably like, just kind of a placeholder. I'm assuming. I'm like I have a thousand questions right there. Uh, so back in the Hastings barn, uh, Spencer's like in front of the crackling fire, giant glass of wine nearby. She looks over when Caleb enters. He kind of edges over, sensing her stress. And he's like, hey. She says, hey. And he's like, you know, I was thinking, maybe the other side won't use it. Maybe they'll have an attack of conscience and uh, take the high road. Um, like, And he knows it's not likely. And she kind of oh, Or maybe he went and deleted the files. Yeah. Which would uh, signal trouble for Spalev, I think, when the hammer comes down. Uh, I feel like that would only endear him to Spencer more. Yeah, but I feel like he would have to give her some space and move away from the campaign for sure. Well, I think there's there's two like if if he were to go like talk to Veronica, that would piss Spencer off. Mm-hmm. But if he's just like I'm going to take the heat and delete the fire mm-hmm. or, or the file, um he, I think he only goes up in Spencer's estimation. Oh, well, yeah, I mean I, and that's that's not as much of a betrayal as of him going to talk to Veronica. That's not a betrayal but, at all. It's what she wanted. Right. Well, I I don't know if she's thinking the most clearly there when she says that. I mean, she's thinking from a very personal, emotional level. But, I mean, I think that there would be some kind of uh, real-world implications for him if he does that. I, would not I don't think sure. it would hurt him with Spencer at all. I think no, not with, not with Spencer. But I that's, mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, potentially legally and politically. Yeah, um, Veronica's a lawyer. <laughs> 
I feel like you in your world, like like a lot of Veronica's like she goes into court, she opens the briefcase, and she just waves a hand at things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's how it works in the yeah. <laughs> So Spencer kind of smiles this naivete, and she sips her wine. She says, "Well, there's never any traffic up there. Speaking of the high road." Only I am driving upon it. Yeah. Oh, I had that Toby voice in a while. Caleb says, uh, hmm. how's your mom? And Spencer says, she's tired, but she's happy. She's really happy. And he kind of comes closer. He caresses her cheek, and then he kind of drops in a sexy Caleb voice. He says, and how about you? You need anything? Hmm. And she kind of holds his hand there and kisses it. And she says, I need you to go get a glass. Because your girlfriend's drinking all by herself, and it's real sad. <laughs> Spencer putting labels on it like a boss. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like no fear that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, hand foreplay. Uh, he goes with some wine. Um, and like once he steps away, it's like you can kind of see that the sadness is still there. But uh, hand stuff, like mm-hmm. hashtag hand stuff, <laughs> that's a Spalum move right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I. I really want to be the next charity t-shirt. Hashtag hand stuff. Just a picture of the two of them. Hashtag hand stuff. (laughs) You know. Sure. For sick kids. So I cut to the brew. Aria's typing away on her product placement device here. Uh, Yeah. Typing a novel on like a hybrid tablet. That's got to be a nightmare. Um, And then like a a (laughs) gust of wind blows some sheets around. She kind of like puts a hand out to stop them and looks over it. Oh. There was wind blowing in because somebody opened the door, and that somebody is Ezra fucking Fitz. That cool breeze. Yeah. How late is the brew open? It seems like it's like midnight or something right now. Well, I feel like one of the baristas comes over, and they're just like, um, miss, we're actually closing up. And Arya just stares at them with her ginormous eyes until they walk away. Well, I think Arya's just like, okay. They're like, um, miss, we actually closed a half hour ago. And Arya's like, that's cool. Tap, tap, tap. Uh, so Ezra kind of sees her. He's shaved now. It looks a little bit more like old Ezra. And Arya, like, immediately closes her notebook. There's, like, a, I remember there's, like, a slightly tense look on her face. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. she does not know what's about to go down, but it's about to go down. Um, so, yeah, they're upstairs in his apartment. Like, he's putting his stuff away. She stands there waiting, and she's just like, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, I should be honored that you thought I would kill someone for you. Like, Ezra, that, I was afraid. All right. That I was capable of doing that. Yeah. I, I felt all of this just starting over again. It was terrible. And Ezra says, look, the night Charlotte was killed after I left you, I, I wanted to tell you where I went, but I was asked not to. Ari's like, by who? And Ezra says, by your dad and your mom. Like, did they swing a threesome with Ezra or something? Like, you know, that's the only thing that really makes sense here. Well, because, like, what were Byron and Ella doing at 4.30 in the morning where they ran into Ezra? Seriously. Ezra says, I saw them in town and they didn't want you to know that they were getting close to getting back together. So they asked me not to tell you. And it all seemed very innocent at the time. So who in that conversation, in that one act play, where for some reason in like the, the, the pa- way well past the witching hour, the hour of the wolf there, Ezra and Byron and Ella are all together. Who suggests the threesome first? <laughs> Byron. Um, Arya's <laughs> face right now. Arya's just like, this is the lamest reason to not deny you murdered someone ever. 
Yeah. Uh, and Ezra says, so I went to the House of Pies. I ended up having a three-hour conversation about politics with a trucker named Earl. God, that sounds bleak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went home afterwards. Because, of course, this asshole went to the all-night pie shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ari's like, why did you not tell me about this? And we showed up here like a bunch of vigilantes accusing you of murder. Yeah. And Ezra says, because I was so angry at you. I just got in the car and drove away. And I was about 20 miles outside of town when I started to think about all the lies that I've told you, everything I've talked you into, everything I've talked myself into, and it was always for a good cause. Ezra, I don't even know who you are. Well, Arya's face is full of such angry emotion right now. Great work by Lucy Hale. Is he actually acknowledging the elephant in the room? Like, everything I talked you into, all the lies I told you? Um, I think this is the closest he will ever get to it. Like, you know, basically what I did to you in high school was wrong. Like, from his, from her expression, I feel like he is. Or at least, yeah, this is the, the closest the show's ever going to, like, kind of get to putting a finger on it. Mm-hmm. And he says, of course, you thought I would do it. I made sure of that myself. So, I, what I'm trying to say is I, I'm the one that should say sorry. And she, she shakes her head at this, almost like she doesn't want to acknowledge what this apology really means. Like, she's... She's very full of emotion right now. And she says, well, my parents are getting remarried. And he's like, oh, well, I guess it was worth keeping that secret. And he kind of turns away, feeling awkward. And she's watching him. She's like, Ezra, where were you? And he's like, Albany. And she says, Albany? And he kind of pulls out a stack of pages from his bag. And he says, the state university there. I have a buddy in the English department. He let me crash. It's Hardy. And he holds Hardy's out the a ma- lawyer in New York. Come on. Yeah, holds out a lawyer and he holds out the manuscript. And Ari says, what's this? And Ezra says, the new book, the next three chapters. I would like you to read it before I send it to the publisher. And she takes the pages. Rut row. Yeah. I really want Aria to read it and be like, nah, my stuff's better. Sorry. Yeah. I I feel like the only way this comes to a head is that She's she's gotta like like not submit his pages or something like that. Like like I feel like that's what Arya's gonna do. She's she's just gonna like keep going with her stuff or something. Could they do a like flash forward three months and Ezra gets his ARC of the book and he's just like Arya, I'm a great writer, even though it's like not <laughs> his work. Well, you have to wonder. Would you read it? I don't know. I mean, I guess he would, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just think it's it's interesting when you think about there's some kind of, at some point he ran into Byron Ella that night. and at then four in the morning. Up, yeah. yeah, then ends up in Albany, which is where Byron's been known to haunt. Mm. Um, no, I mean, not Syracuse. Oh, is it Syracuse? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um I was going to say, unless uh, Ezra literally went to the House of Pies and like talked like uh, Trump with some <laughs> guy named Earl. <laughs> um, so back at Hastings Barn, like Spencer and Kayla were doing dishes together in their little mini kitchen. And he's just like, all right, uh, um, uh, we should go to bed. And she's like, yeah. And so she happens to see Melissa's luggage, remembers, you know, oh, no, one more thing. Uh, walks over that bag, pulls it towards her, but the extendable handle pulls up loose and breaks off. Like she's, you know, got super strength. And like one of the metal extenders is missing. So she kind of looks over at Caleb as he walks over and, uh, or he, she says that he walks over and he's like, what's wrong? And she says, Melissa's suitcase is broken and there's a part missing that's metal, hollow, and cut with a rectangle on the end. And she 
runs her finger over that like extender rod on the uh on the suitcase yeah so i mean you know a pll season hasn't really begun until spencer suspects her sister of murder yeah uh so this this metal rod of like a handle on a, a suitcase here mm-hmm. those are like the flimsiest fucking things ever i feel like the, the only way this makes sense is that if somebody basically like kind of like made like a stabbing motion into the back of charlotte's neck with one of those things this is not a melissa hastings murder i don't i don't think you could swing that thing at somebody and hurt them no i, I, think I feel it like be annoying. It, it, yeah it would just be annoying like i feel like you had have to like thrust it right at somebody and somehow like you know like right in the back of the neck like hit the perfect area uh, yeah i but it's not a i mean like first of all is Melissa just, is she like, does she have her suitcase with her in this scenario? Well, does like, it, is, is this like a secret assassin luggage kit that she has or it like breaks apart to become a murder weapon or something? Well, like in the been, line of fire or something like that? Melissa's been off like joining the Black Widow program. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it just doesn't seem like a Melissa Hastings murder weapon because she's going to need that suitcase to book it out of town later. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, who knows maybe a somehow or a or the killer whoever got their hands on this like i i think we're supposed to assume that i don't know i guess it's like we've already had one red herring murder weapon would we have two or is this actually it i feel like this is actually it or at least the the missing extender that's that's not here mm. this is actually the murder weapon it probably was not melissa doing the murdering though you know yeah i, yeah, I don't i'm not yeah not a f- several episodes before the end of the season, no. I mean, it seems like somebody would just with that to like really like stab with a lot of force right at the base of someone's neck to somehow like sever their spine or something. I don't know. Well, it's just it's funny that with Charlotte gone, it's like who else will take the brunt of the red herring murder raps? You mm-hmm. know, when when Melissa needs a break. Yeah. Well, because you can only do like Lucas once. You can only do. Uh, uh, uh leslie once you know etc mm-hmm. yeah so then we're gonna get the a tag we hear uh whistle while you work from snow white is playing as we see those uh those old dusty electric switches from under the radley a is kind of spraying them down and wiping them and dusting them off and kind of cleaning everything up kind of retrofitting the uh the shock switches here and then we see the the gloved hands with the kind of like medical gloves on they're reattaching the copper wires and getting all set up for something so is they actually going to use these like to harm the liars or well what is the plan maybe just like take some pictures of them or something i don't know well here's where it gets interesting a is aware of this Mm -hmm. like a potentially aware of like why this would be important too or what the purpose of this would be does that imply that a is familiar with radley or just with Charlotte's story? I mean, I don't think A is really Sarah Harvey. I feel like there's at least a suggestion that perhaps A knows about Radley as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, it seems like A is definitely connected to Charlotte and perhaps sympathizes with Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with these switches. If they're actually going to like try to torture the liars with them again or what, but. There is your A tag. You know, uh, I knew the title of the next episode for, you know, weeks and weeks now. And uh, it, it finally <laughs> it makes sense. And I like it. Yeah. The title of next week's episode is We've All Got Baggage. 
Yeah, that episode is written by Oliver Goldstick, directed by Paula Hunziker. That will be fun to see. We talked to her about that uh, several months ago now. Yeah, it's her but directorial debut. Shall be very neat. Um, so that is what's coming up. By the way, one last time, kicking dirt on uh, Allie and Rollins here. Those two are theoretically going to be married within four episodes? If Yeah, if what they said about the uh, flash forward from 610 being the very end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, unless Ali's just, like, being weird and, like, writing Mrs. Rollins, like, a, like, 12th or, you know, ninth grade or something. I just, I wonder, like, are they just going to, like, magically elope? Yeah. Because he seemed totally into it, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So anyway, yeah, that was where somebody waits for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like A needs to do something crazy soon. You got to up the stakes here. Well, it's time. You got to for... put the fear, like the real fear, back into the liars because it's a little too casual. Well, not that the eggs thing wasn't serious, but it still feels like this A has the training wheels on. Well, that it's not the eggs thing is not visceral. It's not an immediate threat. You know, nobody's running for their life or anything like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at broswatchpll2 on Twitter. Our website page is broswatchpll2.com. Uh, got a few reviews. Wanted to thank Megan Mudblood, Sandy191828, Lovox10, Cassie Lee, and Sarah J. H is that a Sarah Harvey perhaps I don't know <laughs> uh, thank you to all of them also thank you to everybody who liked the video I think my favorite comment was somebody who said uh, this is Ashton Martin said I want the link to this video on my tombstone I don't think you could get a better compliment than that so thank you for that mm-hmm. uh, you got anything for us uh, just thanks to everyone who's uh, you know emailed us or you know, tweeted at us or what have you or comments uh, it's always appreciated and uh, man we're almost done with this season it's crazy. Four to go, right? Yeah. Oh, also, uh, we're very excited because we're going to go see Troyan's play this weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, the last point or the last match, something like that. The last match. Yeah. Hey, you bought the tickets, not me. <laughs> I've also, you know, read of the internet where it tells you clearly the title of the play. But yeah, we're excited because I can only imagine. It seems like the old Globe Theater has a like an arena style thing where you're kind of surrounded. You're very close to the the action, as it were, and um, I mean, Troyan is a dynamo on TV. I can only imagine what that seeing her and Patrick A. Adams and the other two actors like in person in live theater is like. Can't wait. Yeah, should be fun. So until then, uh, we'll talk next about We've All Got Baggage. Yep. Bye-bye.